Hello there, it's me, your old pal, Cowmac Kevin Boyhan, here today to tell you thank you so much to everyone who supported, attended, talked about, or in any way contributed towards our live shows we just had. They were fucking fantastic. We had an absolute blast at the podcast festival. Thank you, everyone. It was our best year yet. And hey, thanks for checking out this new episode of the Attitude Podcast. As season four rolls on, you may be wanting access to more content, more audio for your ears, more videos for your eyes, more of Kevin, Adam and Billy, well you can get it all and support the show by heading over to patreon.com forward slash AE podcast, get access to over 50 episodes of the Smackdown Crawl where Adam and I review all of Smackdown get access to all of the gamesmanship episodes, a new one featuring Billy or video episode series it will be debuting next month as well as that the Bibliotech book report series, you may have seen Journey into Darkness and The Rock says on this main feed, well there's a whole bunch of others including making the game ryback three parts of the hardy boys multiple parts of bob holly's book it's an absolute wild ride and one of our most interesting podcast series to date and as well as that you can get access to things like q a episodes sponsor the caption contest or get access to all the commentary tracks all this is available at patreon.com forward slash a podcast i want to say a big shout out and thanks to everyone who's been our backer and our supporter there without that there would be no a podcast and there would be no new episode which is canadian stampede 1997. Hello everyone and welcome to the Attitude Era podcast. Season 4 continues and we're prologuing the fuck out of it. And this time we're in your haste for some Canadian Stampede 1997 coming to us from Calgary, Dramatic Pause, Alberta, Canada. Hello once again, it's me, the Canadian cowboy Kevin Mann. Join us now always by my cohorts, comrades and Canucks, eh? First to my left. Adam Maple Bibolo. Oh, I was hoping that was going to be the Ball Bibolo. The like, Ball? The Ball. The Canadian ball. Stampede, mate. Of course, yeah. yeah. No. I don't want a bunch of Canadian cowboys riding my boy here now. I don't know about that. I've got my nose pierced and everything just for the occasion. I'll tell you what, you can be Adam the Ball Bibolo for tonight then. Would you like that? Well, Adam Bulbolo. Adam Bulbolo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Adam Bulbolo. Adam Bull. Adam Bulbasaur. And then. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, because next season you'll upgrade to Ivysaur, one can only assume. Adam, this is one of the most critically acclaimed pay-per-views, not just of this season, this era that we're at, but also of all time for the WWF. Are you excited to talk about some Canadian Stampede? Yeah, I've been hearing about this for fucking years. People have been telling us this is one of the best ever, so it's got a lot to live up to. Uh, I should say, point out, I believe we are technically, this is like Back to the Future 2, because we're going back in time doing something... We did do this before? Not the whole show. Not we, the whole show. We did the main event. Ah. Which will, this will be the first time that we've ever reviewed the same match twice. Yes. What? Is it the first time ever? Yes. Yeah. So if you want to just like cut out the audio from the first time we did just it. Just snip it in there. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, we first did it in, in, our, in the prequel to How To Wrestling, our 
our, our own, own episode. episode. Yeah. We See, I think if we just cut that in, it might just seem a bit too. Because that own episode bit, is very emotional, and yeah. they're all giddy here, and then we just cut in the real sad <laughs> younger versions of ourselves. Here's the main event. Hi guys, we're going to be getting into the uh, yeah. five on five match now. So, so guys, movie. obviously we've all heard our frosty chocolate milk. <laughs> I don't know why it'll pass to sound like this, but that's canonically how it sounds. And to my right, the baddest man on the planet, Billy, socialized healthcare keeble. How you doing? Woo! I'm okay. Yeah, you excited? Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be a good mess. Yeah, I was actually pleasantly surprised by this pay per view because '97 so far has been a bit. Okay, let's, let's see what we're doing here. Well, I mean, we're not quite at the halfway point, but I thought for for you having seen none of this so far, and you're focusing on the pay-per-views here, mm. how's the ride been for you so far, Billy Keeble? It's been good. The, the matches that have been the best have nearly always been the second main event, because ah. the main events have exclusively been The Undertaker, <laughs> and apart from one match... That the Undertaker's done so far, they've been terrible. Oh dear, so, poor Undertaker. So I'm, I'm still going along with my. I don't understand why the Undertaker was as popular as he ever has been. Well, someone's clearly not a creature of the night. But hey, we're in Stampede Country. It's time for a little bit of rodeo action. Put on some very large hats and get some wood plates because it's time for the Canadian Stampede. We no longer live in a world of black and white. Rather, the landscape has become a canvas of muted greys, where good is indistinguishable from evil, and renegades receive a hero's embrace. For nearly a decade, Brett the Hitman Hart was perhaps the most beloved superstar in the World Wrestling Federation. But when a stone-cold killer declared his intention to end Brett's legacy, the Hitman was perceived the villain, the unrelenting antagonist, the fan favorite, Soon anger replaced passion, arrogance supplanted a champion's pride. Brett turned his back on an entire nation and reunited the Hart Foundation to launch a reign of mayhem and destruction. Tonight in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, the paradox continues. Tonight, the prodigal sons return home the heroes, while five mighty superstars on a noble crusade become the villains. Tonight, the rogues are the beloved, the heroes, the hated. Tonight, the gray clouds of disarray threaten to unleash a devastating tempest in your house. We are no longer living in a world of black and white, but countless muted shades of gray. Woo, yeah! That doesn't make me excited. No, and also this package spends a lot of time being like, and by the way, tonight you'll probably see a crowd that cheers for the bad guys and boos the good guys. Wait a minute. That's are you, crazy. Are you telling me Canada's some sort of upside-down, topsy-turvy, bizarro world? Mm. Oh man, I'm excited for this. I mean, they, they rarely address that outright, do they? They make out at the start here that it's like, Everything will be flipped tonight. It's Opposites Day, and all the reactions are going to be backwards tonight. <laughs> I'm trying to think of any time where they have previously been like, "Oh, this is going to be you know, prepare yourself," because the crowds were trying to like preempt the crowd almost. It's, then night after WrestleMania, when they do it in like Brooklyn. Oh yeah. Like they they always set though what a wacky crowd. The crowd are going to be. Not representative of the WWE Universe tonight. Trust me, Michael Cole. I know this is going to be hard, all right, but we'll all get through it together. 
ignore them, all right? Just yeah. ignore. I did like though the brief period of time. I don't know if you remember Billy, where they tried to pass off the crowds that came in the Raw after WrestleMania as being an international crowd. So they're gonna do things like soccer chants yeah. and fandangoing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like how the narrator goes out of his way to make sure we all know that Steve Austin is wrong. Like, yes. He breaks the rules. A renegade outlaw. Yet some fans seem to cheer him. I say. I don't know about this Steve Austin mm. character. I... I will say, having watched the roars between this and the last show, like we said last time, he is so brilliantly the anti-hero in that very much like, he is a heel kind of yeah. way. Because you're totally right, I'm not sure if we address it in season one, but when we get to that 98 Austin, he's a good guy. Doesn't, yeah, totally. Doesn't matter what you say, he's obviously a good guy. But here, he genuinely is an asshole that's getting cheered. That's yeah. all it is. Like, What do you think is going to be the turning point for Steve Austin that makes him stop being such aggressively a dickhead? I think it's going to be Mankind. Oh, I, really? I, I, I think it's going to be his association with Mick Foley coming up. Bad or not, whether it is as cringy as we're worried it's going to be, I think that's going to be where he slowly starts being less of a dick. Billy, how do we melt the heart of Chili McFreeze? I can't speak for what is to come because I don't know, but it's it's McMahon. It's the the rise of Mister mm. McMahon. Oh, that's it, and, isn't it, it? and yeah. it's the tapping into the the culture of you you know your blue nineteen nineties blue collar white man mm. of hating the boss. And yeah. the, that's going to be what's going to be the tipping over. The resolutely becoming the lesser of two evils. Yeah. And the narrator does go, by the way, Bret Hart's kind of, you know, he's been in the wrong as well. He's all bitter and shit. So, yeah. like, you know, but hey, he's your hero, I guess. So get ready to cheer for him. The heroes will be hated. And then we get possibly the wildest segue from intro package to pay-per-view as if they go, the heroes will be hated. Then we get a branding iron <laughs> and then a big <laughs> and then a big skull of a cow goes <laughs> like, bad oh. graphic. Oh, Billy, it was looking right in my soul, this yeah. thing. <laughs> so, and can I just say, even by 1997 standards, where I often have to pause these shows and he, and put my hands on my knees and keel over a little bit because the fucking baseline is so dirty oh, off. <laughs> yeah. But this is the dirtiest, stickiest baseline mm. I've ever fucking heard about. This made my mouth go gummy. It was such a fucking <laughs> dirty baseline. This was the best music ever. Honestly, ever. I haven't looked yet, but if it's not available online, I'm going to be fucking devastated. Like, I need <laughs> fucking that. better be. If you're not hearing it right now in the bed, there's been a disservice done, mm. and they need to release another unreleased, unchained compilation <laughs> with this on it. Hang on, stop the presses. We need to get our magazine covers out of the way with before oh. Adam forgets again. We've got, we got to get our physical media. Like, in case Adam forgets about the physical media, like all of you are en masse. <laughs> Pick a side, Kevin. <laughs> Pick a side. Right, it's getting more confusing, guys, because as we established last month, the date of the magazine is Oh, what's when fucking newsy up to it's, now? It's like. when it comes off the shelf. So we need, we're in the month of July. We need to look ahead at the August magazine, understood? The Raw magazine is the same as last month because that's apparently a, a every two months kind of situation. Well, that's not so bad for Vince Russo, right? Six magazines a yeah. year, like... Oh, no, I think he was working on WWF magazine, wasn't oh, yeah. that? So this is a monthly magazine, and we've got the Heart and Soul front cover here, which is, I believe, the SummerSlam poster. Yes. Undertaker looking all demonic with Bret Hart stood in the middle. Oh, Undertaker's is, massive. Yeah. Bret's not got a chance. No. And it's confusing because they're not setting up SummerSlam yet. So this is like hinting at something that's not already been booked. So I thought maybe I've gone too far ahead of the magazine covers. Mm -hmm. 
But then at the bottom it says Stone Cold Crazy is Austin set to unleash his psychotic plot, and it says psychotic spelt like Psycho Sid. Oh! Who we know has left the company, so where the fuck does this magazine fit in with everything? I don't know, I feel like you've accidentally picked up a magazine from an alternate yeah, timeline. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, who's the president in here? <laughs> you know? Gorilla Monsoon is the president of the United States. <laughs> we open things up with our announced team. Vince McMahon, Jim Ross, and Jerry, the hat lawler. The hat is oh. so delightfully, obnoxiously large. I love this so much, yeah. Billy. This was precious. Where do you get a hat like that? You literally can't see most of his face. He looks like the mouth of Sauron with like just his mouth <laughs> exposed underneath it. Because the hat's so floppy and big. State of him. I like to think that because you know they had Isaac Yankum, who was like his heel dentist. Mm. I don't think he's got like a heel milliner who makes like <laughs> naughty hats for him. <laughs> <laughs> Bret Hart, you ain't gonna be able to get up after you wear this hat. It's top heavy, if you know what I mean. <laughs> what are you doing with this hat? It's so big, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, yeah, honestly, I was keeping my eye on him throughout the night, thinking. Oh, this is just an opening gag. Like, he's not going to wear it. Nope. He had it on the whole night. He can't have seen much of the show. <laughs> like, like, this was going to, like, make him have fucking neck pain at the end of it. Because he has to, like, lean back a bit because the hat's so big so you can see all the hat and his face. He has to, like, proper, like, pull a backwards face. That's the hardest Jerry Lawler's worked. <laughs> if Jerry Lawler in this hat saw the Jerry Lawler of, like, 2008 and nine, he was, like, you know, mixing up people's names yeah. and, like, phoning it in. He'd be ashamed. I'd say he'd eat his hat, but that would obviously yeah, be a yeah. bit too much of a, a large, <laughs> tall order. We're starting things off. This feud that has continued, the blood feud, as blood has been shed, as mankind, now truly in the bosom of fan acceptance, is taking on that rotten scoundrel, Hunter Hurst Helmsley, who's got shine in his corner, and she's got a new haircut. China looks incredible here. Mm. She's actually, I think, maybe a little bigger than Triple H at this point. Like, she looks so fucking jacked. Uh, I don't know what you're saying. I mean, like, I'm, I'm benching, like, pretty big numbers, man. Yeah, I, know, I, don't know, I, know. Like, I know. Still impressive. Now, but... as we know from making the game, China, you know, she was Triple H's workout partner, professional colleague, obviously, and nothing else. <laughs> no. Nothing else. That's that. That's that. I keep dumb. So, I liked her look here. I thought it was like B-52s meets Rammstein. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because <laughs> ah! she had the kind of slight beehive quality. Yeah. But it was very much in the realm of the heavy metal, mm -hmm. like, you know, the industrial metal. Handcuff themes as well. Yeah. She's getting all into the, uh, the the bondage gear now, I guess. And a young Commissioner Slaughter has got an idea in the back of his mind. <laughs> Mankind currently wants to be Stone Cold Steve Austin's tag team partner. This is adorable, this angle. So, as we mentioned before, Shawn Michaels is uh, taking another little bit of a sabbatical. And uh, as a result of that, he's had to vacate his tag team championship. Steve Austin now has to find a new partner to face the winners of a tournament which has been going on. Which has been a pretty wild time on Raw, but... Tell the people about Mankind's little campaign. He's been coming out on Raw with a little paper sign around his neck with a bit of string, like it's so fucking cheap, and it just says, pick me, Steve, on it. And he'll come out and do a promo about how delighted he is to be Stone Cold's friend. And then they'll get, like, Stone Cold on the line and be like, what do you got to say about that, Steve? He's like, I don't like him. He's a loser. <laughs> and maybe my favourite thing about this campaign of Mick trying to show that he's great and he should be working with Steve 
is one week when he comes out wearing his sign and saying, pick me, Steve, he's got a little box under his arm. And you see him go over to the commentary table and are like, oh, oh no, what's going on here? And JR's obviously understandably nervous, having been attacked by him before. And Mankind comes over and essentially apologises to JR for giving him the mandible claw. And he's like, I got you something. And he opens the box and it's a little mandible claw glove of his own. And he's like, <laughs> how nice is that? Isn't that something? And then he gets attacked from behind by Brian Pillman. Yeah, Pillman tries like, to shove it in his ear or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> fucking ass. It's very cute. He's, I've never seen a wrestler apologise and give someone a gift before. Like. It's brilliant. You can just see the him giving Vince McMahon the slurpy type of stuff coming from this yes. later on down the line. But a lot of time for adorable mankind. Mm-hmm. Like, something about the scarier mankind is the more adorable he is when he does stuff like this. You know, like, there's kind of, like, a point where he gets so cuddly, you're expecting him to do stuff like that. But here, mm. it's just absolutely golden. I love it so much. I think it's the brown bin bag that he's wearing still <laughs> makes him that bit scary. That's a fucking bad look. It is, yeah. Seriously. Doc Hendricks gives us a bit of narration as to what brought us to the dance here. And essentially, Mankind stole Triple H's hat. Yeah. And that was not, not on board at all Mm-mm. with that. Not going to happen. We are brought to our ring announcer, Howard the Hat Finkel. Oh, Fink's got a hat as well. Having a whale of a time in Canada. Something about a man wearing a tuxedo and a cowboy hat is very, very good. Like Mm. I like that a lot. Very oil baron thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Daniel Plainview. Yeah. Mankind runs wild at the start. We get the double arm DDT. We even get the mandible claw, which is super over as ever. Well, well he's super over, yeah. which means that he must be a nasty heel because oh, no. everything's backwards here. Like yeah. so, bizarro world. Hamburgers eat people. <laughs> pe- healthcare pays for you. Like you know, people kill guns. It's really backwards here. You know, old people look after the young. <laughs> he is. Fully faced now. Mm. Yes. It's gone full face here. Such a perfect, like, dynamic. Triple H, the snob, mankind, mm. the kind of the scary, psychotic guy. It's absolutely awesome. I'll tell you who's the real fucking pulling the heavy lifting in this match. This is all about China. Mm. My God, she was active in this one, folks. Like, in the run-up to this, anytime China's been in a match, she's been, like, done maybe one spot, maybe yes. two. Like, I think back to her, like, one scoop slam she did very carefully, like, to the honky-tonk man mm. or whatever. Here, she's tossing Foley into the stairs, smacking him upside the head, throwing him into barricades. Mick gets really fucking hurt in this one. And almost every interference spot that China does, Jimmy Corderas is like, right there. Like, she could not be any more in his peripheral yeah. vision. And he's just like, ah, I don't... I, one, what two, was, what that noise? three, four! <laughs> I don't know what to do! <laughs> we, we got a strange little moment between Vince and Jerry here, where, where, where Vince goes, look at the delts on China. And Lola's reaction is, the what? <laughs> it says, the deltoids. Like. And Lola just goes, oh... What did Jerry hear? Mm. Yeah, he heard delts as something else and got very excited. But I can't think of what he could possibly have heard. This is weird. This is pre-Puppy's Lawler again. Mm. He's trying to figure out all the body parts. But he likes, deltoids? No, that's not it. I've got a weird feeling we're going to get a lot of American fans messaging us being like, obviously delts are fucking female genitals, you guys. (laughs) Like, duh. Didn't have the delts to step in the ring with me, Adam Bibolo. (laughs) Triple H uses the figure four and uses the ropes to his advantage. And this is great because he keeps using the ropes and then Mankind can't speak English because he's going to that free. And he's like, what are you saying even like, you know? But of course, as we know, referees don't listen to Triple H, you know, when he's holding on to the ropes anyway in the yeah. first place. 
So Foley's got himself a sore ass leg, which is worked over for the uh, the rest of this one. We got a lovely pulling pile driver by Mankind. China gets involved again as we go to the outside for a brawl, and the red chairs comes into play. Mm, that's the most damage the red chairs like. Yeah, that's where you get the extra the fire yeah, element the fire attack. Effect, yeah. <laughs> so what? He's going to get like a burn buff as a result of this? It's it not crazy or anything. It just means that when he hits him, like every five seconds now, Mick's going to take like an extra minus two HP because of the extra burn. Is are those stackable? Those buffs now as well? No, I think if he was to use something else like poison, it would completely replace the burn. <laughs> yeah. The purple chair you're talking yes, about, exactly. obviously. Yeah. Of course, is obviously the green corrosive chair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought the green chair would heal him somehow. Or maybe that'd be more of a sky blue, I feel like, you know. Or a white chair, maybe, like, you know. So we get a double countout spot in this one. But mm. much like last month, where we had a great double DQ, this was a quite a fabulous double countout. I disagree, because I feel like on Raw they've done a few double countouts lately, and I feel like it's just been in one too many. Mm. But things happen in this show that make me take that back, and I end up loving this finish. Ah, actually. yes. I should say, I mean, this isn't the end of the story, no, that, no. of what happens yeah. here. Uh, as Mankind and Triple H continue to brawl after this, and we cut back to that several times thread. So I'm, yeah. I guess I'm pulling that in there with yeah. you saying that I like this as a double countout. Yeah. Stay out of my mentions. We get a recap of all the fun of Stampede Week. Woo! Y'all want to go to Stampede Week sometime? It sounds like a fun time. I mean, Billy, you have a cowboy hat, do you not? I do like, have a cowboy hat. I did you, get one for Christmas. You think you'd fit in at the Stampede Week? I think so, yeah. I, I got some information from some folks. We've had some Albertans were messaging us on our Patreon page. We get lots of help, obviously, this season, as we've got seen a lot of this stuff before. And some Albertans were chiming in to let us know all about Calgary Stampede Week. Okay. Very, very popular, long-running tradition. It's one of the biggest events on the calendar. It basically becomes like a week-long party. And they have lots of pancake breakfasts as well, by the sounds of things. Mm. Right. I don't know what is why the America and Canada can specify the type of breakfast by preceding it with the name of the thing they're going to have. A pancake luncheon, a pancake breakfast, mm. so on. Can I have an egg breakfast? Is that an allowed thing to, to arrange? Absolutely it is. And if it's not, then it should, it should be a thing. You I, should start making it one. I just feel we've not got the nomenclature that they have over there. We deserve better than yeah. that. We did have a hot dog brunch today, we should say. Like, if yes. you want to start using that verbiage. Hot dog brunch. <laughs> God, it makes it sound like we're, we're the Federation 95. Like, it's got really bad. Like. Things are real bad on the podcast. Yeah, you used to get a bucket of eggs. Now you show up and it's just ham sandwiches. They're all gristle. Like, you know, there's no coffee anymore. It's just hot brown water like, <laughs> but you put that money away when you ask for an autograph <laughs> it does make it sound like we've, we've just we've just had like cut up hot dogs on a plate with some ke- a paper plate with some ketchup we're on like, our ass man. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Jeff, Jeff Hardy, Hardy special <laughs> <laughs> so we got a recap of all the events that we had there was the, the special white hat ceremony where the American team came and they got kind of like a pat on the back and the key to the city from the, the mayor of Calgary right there was also a, a big rope pulling contest or tug of war as it's also yeah. known mm-hmm. or tug of war if you're into the abbreviation thing and then they had a special like tractor ride through the city of all the stars it was a big big special event and it had the heart foundation on the back of a car kind of waving and all that weird parade we had also miss calgary which was Diana Hart, mm-hmm. whom jim ross and vince mcmahon make sure to say of course she is the bulldog's wife 
implying that he like I don't know like threatened them like otherwise yeah. <laughs> I mean that is a bit loaded if the heart's entering Miss Calgary like you yeah. know I feel like the weight of that whole prefecture is on your shoulders then you gotta get that gotta give it to the hearts like that'd be like Billy entering Mr. Chester it's not fair like <laughs> on a disadvantage he is Chester man I don't know if you guys know us but like a lot of this footage was stuff that had been used in wrestling with shadows yeah mm. I remember you saying like a lot of the rodeo stuff even like Bret Hart signing autographs and they were like and by the way folks Bret Hart with his autographs did you know what was special about Bret and his autographs Billy I did not know he signed everyone every single one everyone right. every single one including the one you see in Wrestling with Shadows where the person's like thank you Brett I love you so much he's like hey thanks for coming out tonight and they just keep shaking his hand and they won't let go and then he just looks at the camera like <laughs> backstage Doc Hattricks with the Hat Foundation sorry Heart Foundation they're chatting up about tonight Little bit of a uh, face vibe to everything because mm. Austin interrupts. Yeah. He just walks in like a dog on a couple having sex. He's like, I'm here now. <laughs> bark, bark. <laughs> Look me in the eyes. <laughs> I'm taking you out of the moment. <laughs> and then Brad's like, No, we don't want five on one. We, we want to do it in the ring. Want to do it legit because in Canada. They're wearing them white hats. They're mm. good boys, all of them. Mm. A special shout out to Jim the Advil Neidhart and Brian Pillman, who both attempt to do their characters, but also be good guys. Yeah. Yes. Very what? difficult. Very difficult. I love my country. <laughs> I just like pulling my goat cheese off. <laughs> I'm praying for you. <laughs> so coming up next, we've got light heavyweight action on the line as Takamichinoku takes on great don't you dare ruin him, Sasuke. Not great Sasuke, or great Sasuke, or great Satsuma, whatever the fuck else they're calling him on. Everything but his name they call him on commentary. And in fairness, we do get Takamichi no Ko as well. Like, oh, Takamichi no Kus. Takimichi no Ki. Oh, like, come on. Every fucking... Oh, it was so fucking bad. Michi no Ko flow, you know. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, like, you did have JR at the start say... I, we don't take no Japanese in Oklahoma, folks. And that's like him saying, oh, all right, so I don't know what any of this is going to be pronounced as. But Vince McMahon <laughs> confidently mispronounces yeah. this. Mm. And the confidence is there even when he changes what he's going to call them. Like, I mean, I had a great Suzuki Swift, but don't call <laughs> him the great Suzuki. Yes, he is swift and sudden and fast, but call him... I didn't know much about him. Andrew Rich sent us a nice long list of all about great Sasuke and why he's very important. And I would really appreciate that, finding out all about him. A legendary figure. I, I knew at least that he was Sasuke. Yeah. Sasuke sounded very, very bad on the ears. Mm. And given that these two are meant to be big-time legends, that's got to stick in the craw a little bit, isn't it? Basic mm. shit, like your name. Yeah. So, did it shock you guys that we had two members of Michinoku Pro Wrestling wrestling here on Canadian Stampede? I was very surprised to see these guys come out. What did you think it was for? Like, did it, did they explain in your minds why this was happening? No, they just said like we've got we've got these lads from Japan over. Let's 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 give them a go. This weird period of time where we're having lots of like cross promotions still. Mm. Lots. 
We had a USWA versus ECW interpromotional match. What the fuck? Seriously? Not just acknowledging other companies, but being like, why don't we get two of you to come on and have a match where, oh, we won't have any of our guys in it if you want. You can have it to yourselves. Like. Uh, very, very peculiar. And they're still trying to do stuff with AAA, but AAA yeah. doesn't want to do any more stuff with them. This was set up through Victor Canunes, who is the alleged love child of Gorilla Monsoon. Oh, that fella. Looks very, very similar to him. Very, very similar. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the connection is there. There's like little hints, tiny hints, that he is actually his son. Mm. Like when Gorilla Monsoon passed away, it was like, da-da-da, and his three children, but he'd only ever admitted to having two on the record. Mm. So, you know, he, mm. then, there we go, you know, Victor Canuna, it's like who Tajiri says is his favourite person in wrestling. Oh. So there you go. When Vic- Jerry said that to him, he was like, will you stop? And everyone was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's up a little bit. So, Taka, always love to see this guy. Sasuke, I mean, I heard nothing but amazing things. This is the first Sasuke match I ever saw, though, I think. Yeah, yeah likewise. So both these guys, as well, have great themes. Ooh, aren't they good? Good. Great themes. Like, themes for, like, particularly brilliant animes. Like, mm. it was- Sasuke especially. Oh, my God. Like, electric guitar. Yeah. Like- it's season two of the anime when it's gone a little bit more edgy, like yeah, and it's like right, we're gonna like basically try and tell you all about the lore and our brand guidelines in thirty seconds of soulful singing. Fucking awesome! Triple H and Mankind brawl at the start to steal everyone's thunder. Yeah, it wasn't like it's not nice, is it? Have it before they come out, but when they're just standing in the ring ready to start their match, don't do it then. Yeah, no, right. Great Sasuke, who invented the Swanton Bomb, and Did also it? the original Michinoku driver. Mm. Great Sasuke, who also was elected to office in Japan, and then had to demask, which was difficult, because he didn't want his enemies to know who he really was. That's incredible. Great Sasuke, who was also slated to win the light heavyweight championship, but then called a press conference and bragged about how he was going to win. I would <laughs> oh, never no. lose the belt. Oh. I would definitely not lose in Japan. <laughs> and then was asked kindly to not come back. So, person... He called a press conference. <laughs> what the fuck? So, i just like to point out as well, oh. the person with the sign, he was like, Vince, don't you dare ruin great Sasuke. He was well ahead of you, lads. Yeah. <laughs> press conference. <laughs> what the hell? Just, That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, just go, right, go right to the media and you gotta go... You yeah. spoil everything. I'm going to the biggest match of my career and they're a joke because I'm proper me. Uh, who was it who, was it who bragged about it in a nightclub? Uh, like, that was... Uh, fuck, it was, it was Alex Luger, apparently. That was the the, the, the rumour. Yeah. Or was it Billy Gunn oh, who Billy did that? Oh, Billy Gunn, yeah. Billy Gunn bragged about winning the IC belt yeah. at WrestleMania. Like, and then... that's, like, he didn't do a press conference. A press no. conference. <laughs> Imagine that, like, I had to announce that I will be winning the Intercontinental. <laughs> no, you won't. Here's the hardcore belts. Now go roll around the muck with Bob Holly, <laughs> you shit. At least Billy Gunn doing that was like... It was a, uh, an inebriated thought. Yes. That's a very sober thought. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was in his in his clarity of thought, the clearest mind. He thought that was a good way to go. Fucking but like, I, I I see the issue here though because Taka and Sasuke, they're both legends, you know, in their own right. Like, yeah. Even at this point, when they went, you know, they'd wrestled in ECW, you know, around this time as well. This probably would have been where Vince got the connection because Paul Heyman was bringing in a lot of these people mm. from Michinoku Pro and whatnot. You know, he also brought in people later on from FMW and whatnot as well. But like when Sasuke, when Taka wrestled for ECW, everyone started chanting Power Rangers at the start of their match. Like, you know, this was a, even with the supposed hardcore wrestling fan crowd, 
there was an uphill struggle to be taken seriously. Could you imagine now if they were bringing over some big legend from Japan or Mexico and everyone started like laughing at them yeah. in a supposed mm. hardcore crowd? Even the hardcore fans were ignorant back then. Yeah, you know, is. it's really interesting to see how difficult it was. So I can see why these guys would take themselves so seriously mm. because no one else is. Yeah. Previdence by the fact that the line of people going to do a piss at the start of this yeah. match. Yeah. Like, even I was like, kind of, well, maybe I will go for <laughs> a little wee at the start. The light heavyweight division, which also contains Scott Putsky and Brian Christopher, who were definitely over 225 pounds. Yeah. Scott Putsky. I saw him on Raw. He had a match with Brian Christopher. Yeah. And they're doing this thing, Billy, where Jerry Lawler is obviously Brian Christopher's dad, but they're not, you know, he doesn't want to say it or admit it or anything. And he decides to go after Scott Putsky, who is the son of Ivan Putsky, the Polish power, I believe the is his Polish name. Hammer, the, the Polish Hammer. The Polish Hammer. Oh, the Polish power, I think, yeah. Yeah, which means Jerry got a chance to break out all of his Polish oh, the, jokes. His Polak jokes. Now, yeah. Adam, you are of Polish descent, are you not? I am, yes. So, uh, where did he hit you where it hurts? I already hate him so much. It doesn't really matter. But just the idea of me thinking about like, Jerry Lawler having a pop at the Irish. I'm like, oh, mm. I don't know if I'd be, I'd be ready for that. Well, like, that's where I think me and you have a, a, like a similar bond because I found out not so long ago. Apparently, in America, it was like a general, like a generational thing that Polish jokes were a big thing. It's like the like, equivalent of the Irish joke, exactly. The, the, and then also the Irish Polak jokes, Polak also joke, as yeah. well, like in America. So. I think like me and you, you know, our, yeah. our people have been shot on a lot by America. I know I'm one of the English as well, but not, you know, Polish. Focus Stop trying Polish. to get in with Focus us. on the Polish, Kevin. <laughs> There's a Polish generation now. of darkness yeah. after that. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll just not mention my German descent. Yeah. <laughs> Billy's people are one of the original beaker folk that came here, you know. <laughs> I have to admit, I, even though they're getting the names wrong, I was surprised to hear Vince and even Jerry Lawler putting him over. Put him over strong, Doing yeah. The damnedest. They talked about Tiger Mask coming to you know, yes. Madison Square Garden in the 70s and the 80s. They talk about Enoki fighting Muhammad Ali and Andre the Giant. Yeah, they were putting him over strong. Jerry knows that Taka's from Japan, not China, like yeah. Royal Rumble 2001. He's always known that. I was mean, 2000. No, it was, it was 2000, yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, it's pretty pretty new what they're doing here because even WCW hadn't yet figured out how to do a Japanese wrestler that was not portrayed as like a heel because they're from Japan mm -hmm. yeah I mean fucking hell even WWE was doing that and they wasn't even having Japanese wrestler it was a Samoan guy like, yeah you know so this is something new for them and again like much like last month even if the crowd aren't on board with it and even if the announcers don't seem to 100% believe I don't think JR I can feel it in his voice that he thinks this is a goer like, yeah. this is going to be like the light heavyweight division and it's going to be the fucking proper talk of the town. Mm. It feels a little bit like they know it's not as good as they want it to be because they they spend so much time on Raw propping it up where it's like, instead of talking about the amazing action going on in the ring, they're like, and you can better believe the light heavyweight division is going to have a lot of high risk and high flying. You're going to see some amazing things in our light heavyweight division. Like, instead of actually talking about the light heavyweight fight that's going on mm. in front of them. Do you think this going on at the same time as Pillman with his struggles would factor into his his great difficulties? Given that he was someone who was wrestling, you know, Jushin Thunder Liger at WCW, he was someone who would have been part of this original light heavyweight. I mean, if he had not been in that Humvee accent, you would think that he'd he be would this, he beat yeah. the star, the charismatic mm. guy with name recognition who's also technically a light heavyweight. True. It's gotta be tough to watch. Tell you what, the crowd were not into this at all at the start. They were deadly silent. Yeah. Not the respectful Japanese silence. No, just yeah. bored silence. Yeah, because they, like, they don't know. 
this is how the Japanese work a match. Yeah. And in fairness, they don't know these two guys. Yeah. Either. They are just a couple of strangers wrestling right now. And, and, and JR does a, a, a sort of a decent job to the, the crowd at home to explain the Japanese style of yeah. it's, start, it's going to start slow. Mm-hmm. And he does outright say that. For you, the folks at home, this is going to start slow. Yeah, honestly, we had so many people telling us, like, oh, this match is going to be amazing, etc., etc. That was why I was very invested into it. Yeah. I, otherwise, I think I would have zoned out a little bit at the start, mm-hmm. thinking, like, oh, well, you know, they've done this brawl with Triple H and Mankind. They're not taking it seriously, so they're not going to be able... Like, they get much more of a platform to do their style than you know, very often someone is brought in now to NXT and they have yeah. to do the WWE style whereas this feels notably different to what you're seeing I think it's when Sasuke busts out the spin kicks that's when the crowd starts waking up and when he did what Adam described when we were watching as a very cool street fighter kick off the top rope. Oh, he did. It's that one where you've got one foot pointed out and the other one hooked underneath it. like, mm. And you imagine him going, wow, when he does it. It was fucking beautiful. Corner kicks by Sasuke. Fucking loud. Mm. Oh my God, they're so loud. So real. What do you think of Sasuke's look, the outfit? I'm not a fan of it, to be honest. How come? Uh, um... It's too. I think it's too plain. It, it looks. It looks like he's turned up without any outfit, and All they've right, just yeah. like they've just gone. All right, we'll have this. Work um, under a hood tonight. This, <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like it feels a bit rinky dink. I, I love it. Even like, it does. I I accept because a lot of people have used that kind of you know bodysuit with the random mask mm-hmm. or whatever as like the, the default. You know, I've been a lot of pre-created characters in in WB's career mode in, in this on 2K games. But I kind of love the fact that he's so spectacular with this kind of slightly unassuming look, you know? He's total fire pro wrestling. Yeah. Like, he's got that basic outfit and the way he stands there and he's like hopping on the spot, like bouncing back Idle and move. forth. Like, yeah, I really good idle animation. Like, I do think he's a nice kind of like counterbalance to someone like Jushin Liger who's like, Alfred screams like, I am the best. Yeah. Like, you know, you're going to be blown away by me and you will be, but this is quite understated and I like that as well. You know, that's really awesome. Some sick moves by Taka as well, though, folks. My God, Taka Michinoku can fly like no one's business. Yeah. He does a planchet to the outside, and he floats like a fucking leaf. It's unbelievable. He's 23 years old here. Yeah. Insanity. He has no right to be that young and handsome. No. Stop that. Oh, wait, how old is he now? 23 and 97. Uh, 22 years so he'd be 45, 45. alright that's better <laughs> <laughs> that's right you stay that way now. <laughs> no actually hang on continue to get older by one year every year in line with me I'll yeah. show him yeah. ouch no I don't bless him around Adam I'm sick of this yeah I'm sick of this and that goes to the rest of you all as well you keep, <laughs> you keep aging one year at a time the pace picks up after we get some amazing flurries by Taka. We get some incredible crowd involvement at this point now. They are on the sides of their seats. I didn't think they would win this crowd over at all because I thought this crowd was here for one thing, mm. and that was the main event. Yep. And I was thinking on this show, if we had... There's only like four matches or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Thinking if everyone was quiet for the other stuff and then we got the reactions for the main event, they would have been happy. But... They won them over. I've never seen it as this quiet to involve yes. so quickly. Do you think it would have happened if this was in the States? Oh, I d- you know what? I d- I'm not sure it would have. The cordial mm. Canadian crowd. I know they yeah. say Bizarro World, but they respect good wrestling. They you know? do. And Calgary's a wrestling town, you know? It would have to be a very specific American town to do it in. Like You couldn't just do it in any state in America Philly. and expect it. Somewhere like yeah. that, maybe. But it's yeah. hard to know, because even like with the, the, the time scale, like now, obviously, you can pick random towns in America and kind of go, these would be 
smart crowds or whatever yeah. but if in Philadelphia they're shouting Power Rangers at fucking yeah. Great Sasuke yeah, I, guess. I don't know if I could confidently say in 1997 that they would get the reaction mm. I mean obviously the light heavyweight division doesn't go the way they wanted to because by the time we get to in 98 at the start they're still downside like yeah. at Wrestlemania that was like the last time for years, yeah, it just yeah. disappears completely. Until like. S.A. Rios took the mantle up again, like, oh. then he's like, Jerry Lynn, you will continue my legacy. <laughs> there we go, I've just I'd forgotten, we might see a little bit of S.A. Rios this season. Yeah, Aguila. Uh, Aguila. Aguila, yeah. yeah. Might see him again. Yeah, it's Look very forward true. to that. <laughs> there, there seems to be, like, yeah, like a big crop of massive names who are pegged for this light heavyweight division, and I kind of feel like so few of them, like, I don't think we're seeing Sasuke again for, for I whatever doubt reason. It, yeah. So I think it's going to be quite a cast of characters of top names coming in, doing one or two matches yeah. then fucking off because they realise it's it's a tainted chalice we get the Michinoku driver mm. 97 version where he drops him right in his fucking head and shoulders hey. oh my god we get a kick out though and Sasuke a lion salt a fucking deadlift powerbomb and then a beautiful tiger plex great Sasuke wins a great match Sasuke I love yeah. it when the finish is a combo. Like yeah. a guy hits mm. three moves in a row, and they're all just devastating. Like the person's like still reeling from. Like, yeah. even, you know they're they're having caught up with what has happened to them. I fucking love that. I love that match. Very very good. It's unlike anything I think I've ever watched for this podcast before. The closest I think this came to was when, speaking of the own episode was when we did Owen and Liger. I think. Yeah. 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 Really reminded me of that where it's. Light heavyweight action, but it's not just high flying. No. You know, this was as much about the strikes and the kicks and all mm. that. And they won over a serious piss break crowd, like, who could not have been any less into it. Like. There's a lot of really engaged people with wet patches around their crotches. Yeah. And this one go, well, you're the fool, because I've pissed myself and I've watched a great goddamn match. <laughs> who goes for a piss in the second match of a pay per view? Honestly, dude. Like, of that short of pay per view as well. Well, when, like, when you, you guys have all been to live wrestling shows, yes. right? Yep. Have you pissed at a live wrestling show? Yes. Yes. When, uh, when did you piss? At the break, when there's an interval. Like... Oh, you had an interval at yours? Yeah. Of course, you saw what NXT Live was. Yes, it? but even if like this show, there's still segments where like let's go backstage to Doc Hendricks while he sells something or whatever. There's plenty of opportunities to take a piss that isn't during a match. Like it's something about looking at Doc Hendricks that makes you think of piss straight away, doesn't mm, it? Yeah, like, you know? and like Billy said, we were like what 20 minutes into the show at this point. Like, how much have you been drinking? Yeah. Billy, when did you piss when you went to see wrestling? You went to Raw, didn't you? I went to Raw in 2012, and I think is to be to be the stereotype, it was the Divas Battle Royale. Uh, and then I almost missed Mick Foley. <laughs> That's what you get. And then I got a nosebleed. Oh yeah, you did. And I got a big That's nosebleed. what you get for not for not believing in the women's evolution like Stephanie McMahon. Yeah. Like you mm. get a nosebleed. Yeah. <laughs> Outside brawl with Triple H and Mankind. Yeah. Oh my god, Triple H has got bust up blur. Yeah, he's covered in blood. I don't think he's ever seen it before. And we're outside in broad daylight as well. Like oh, this is man. seriously attitude era stuff. Was I the only one who thought that the rich snob Triple H would end up inside like a horse's poo house or something yeah. like that? Or like in Futurama, a barrel that says very poor. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm incredibly wealthy. The market is like worth $20 million per house now in Greenwich. A house made of diamonds. Cut back to Vincent Kennedy McMahon, who says that we here at the World Wrestling Federation, we like our action. And I think you can safely say that we've opened up a can of... You know what here tonight. Oh, Vince. I know. I'd like to have to apologise for the verbiage. <laughs> <laughs> just, just um, like, Vince speaking here 
and Vince speaking in one year time. One I year know, time. right? Because yeah. like, this is June, July, isn't it? So yeah. then we would get to like breakdown type of time yep. for fully loaded. How much Vince grows in a year in sort of confidence in, in terms of speaking? I'm really excited to find out like how much this is preempted, you know, like the Vince McMahon character because, you know, they have a lot of people referring to Vince as the owner and yes. stuff on Raw at the moment. You had like where the Godwins, uh, Phineas and and Henry. Henry got his neck broken by the Legion of Doom like weeks and weeks prior, and then he came out and he was like, "This is your goddamn fault, McMahon. This is your company." And they were like straight up saying it like they did with yeah, Brett yeah. as well. Farouk did it too at one point. Yeah, like... they're going on like Vince owns the company and it's. I don't know if it's going to be kind of like you know like they said in the documentary where it's like. And then the, the curtain comes down, and then there is Vince McMahon, the master manipulator. Yeah. And you know, at that moment at Montreal, he becomes Vince McMahon. I bet we're going to get a little bit of evil Vince before then. I think so yeah. too. Yeah. I think that moment is like the double turn at WrestleMania, where everyone's put all this emphasis on it, and it's not the moment that everyone says it is. Yeah, it's completely the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> so Vince McMahon is passed over to JR. He's going to give us a recap of what happened to Ahmed Johnson. Sorry, baby. Right before that recap, we've got our first grunt of the night here. Oh, excuse me. Literally right behind JR and Vince at ringside. There's a fan who like looks at the camera and he can see it. And he's like, you can tell he's thinking, this is it. This is my shot. Is he being polite? He he looks like he's thinking it's now or never. And he's got his thumbs up ready to go. And he's like, I'm going to fucking do it. And he looks at the lens and he goes, ha! (laughs) We wish Ahmed Johnson... Uh, a very speedy recovery. <laughs> and then he's like, he just backs away really sheepish. Like. Is, that, is that the the, the first crowd grunt of the night? I think it actually is. Unless we wasn't WrestleMania seventeen. Well, like, Biscuit, thank you. Yeah, was, I, I don't think that counts as a grunt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's just art of the century, mate. Yeah. That's all that was. So would he go into the Hall of Fame? Uh, this guy. We need more crowd representatives before the WWE universe can get an induction. He I would think. have gotten if he made that noise and then said rawhide. <laughs> ah, rawhide. <laughs> 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 Fill with all them hats everyone's wearing. Yeah. Right, Billy, could you tell me what you think happened in this recap of, of Ahmed Johnson? R- right, so there was some chaos. Yeah, there was. <laughs> so this, I'm assuming this is some of the aforementioned uh, gang wars. Yes, the gang um, wars. So this was this the DOA? Who were they facing? Or the DOA came out the night that Farouk introduced the new nation to yeah. everyone, which was Kama, Ahmed, Dilo, and himself. Because Ahmed beat up Undertaker at the end of a tag team match, mm. it was like literally the night after King of the Ring, and at the end of it, Ahmed beat him up. He laid him out with the Pearl River Plunge again. And the following week, he's in the nation. Yeah, he did the fucking salute. It's the most miserable ending to a Roar ever. (laughs) I I felt bombed out, like, you know? It sucks. It's so so sad. sad. It would would be like, imagine seeing someone like Kofi Kingston turns on the New Day, and they're all all crying and sad, and the fans are literally like, no one wanted this. Like, no, this benefits nobody. Or this is like, if, you know, it's like, it's like if Mankind turned heel on The Rock and The Rock and Sock like he wanted to do, like, or something like that. Or like, I don't know, one of the Avengers joining up with Thanos, us or something it's just not nice and one of the up and comer Avengers like you know like Spider-Man or something like that yeah I went there I call Ahmed Spider-Man now you gotta think about him swinging around New York (laughs) 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 J. Jonah Jameson would fucking hate that (laughs) (laughs) so there was chaos yeah there's chaos I didn't quite see what happened but um, Ahmed's done something to his leg yeah Mm -hmm. he's like He's not broken something. He's pulled something. Pulled torn something. something or, torn ligaments in his knee and his leg. Or... Yeah, he's really fucked up. He's going to be out for months and months and months. So like, you know, 
oftentimes in wrestling, you know, it's like a big storyline thing gets set up and then someone gets injured or something happens. It's like, oh, we're not going to be able to do this storyline now. Mm. It's literally being shelved. But I never think it's happened where, like, literally they've pulled the trigger and had all the negativity of that. And then, yes, like, literally Ahmed comes out and it's like, none of you people have ever had my back because I'm black. And he said that The Undertaker was worse than a slave. I I, I don't understand that because Ahmed's over in all of these, like, heavily white areas. People love him. All the way through this season so far... He's been so over. Mm-hmm. So you can't just ignore that. I know, then, it's ridiculous. And then have the character bring up the race card. Yep. Like, you, you can't have that. It him. doesn't make sense. And also as well, given that we had the really, like, I still love that ending of King of the Ring 1997. You know? You know, the, the one we talk about where Ahmed comes out when Farouk has been beat up over and over. He's and he's like, What's on? He's a human being. And there was none of that in the heel turn. It wasn't nope. like... You know, I saw what you did to to Farouk, and this is an example of like what happens in this company if you're a black man. There was no. none of, nothing of that sort. No, it was just literally no. None of you. All, all the fans are racist. Uh, Vince McMahon is racist. Well, obviously he is, but yeah. you know, it's just it was a real cheap like. Yeah. Now nah, you're heel now, and you're in the nation, and now you're going to be uh, like this. He's such a it's such a stereotypical. This is what we think an angry black man yep. sounds mm. like. You know, it's lazy as fuck. It's and, pure Russo. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm not going to be like. Martin Luther King and die by talking to you people like seriously that's what you're gonna fucking say yep. on your wrestling show yeah. with Ahmed who was probably the most legitimate black superstar that they had I mean I'm honestly I'm struggling honestly, to think no, in terms you know? of superstar status like Ovenus and they pushed him and not pulled the plug on his push I mean like, who was like the, the after Ahmed who was like legit the next one well like, unfortunately the rock transcended race yeah like, What's that? Lashley? I mean, Lashley was a big star, absolutely, yeah. I mean, Booker T obviously was a mega star when he came in in 2001. Yeah, but you've got, like, even then it's seven years between Ahmed and Lashley. There was was no one who felt like they had, like, a natural, like, the crowd have just come around them. And, like, like WWE want this person to get over and the fans have all come around. Like, because Lashley felt a bit forced. The fans weren't with him. He couldn't cut a promo, really. He didn't have the charisma. Like, he didn't have the charisma that Ahmed had. He's obviously a lot better wrestler. Mm. Mm. But, like, Ahmed has that star power. The star power that makes fans kind of go, I don't care that he can't wrestle really well because when he wrestles, it's going to be a goddamn spectacle. Yeah. Mm. You know, fans loved him irrespective of the fact that he often had quite clunky matches. You often didn't understand a lot of what he was saying mm. in his promos because he exuded star power like an ultimate warrior or whoever mm-hmm. but they fucking bought him out then because as soon as the doa come out ahmed fucks up his leg and that's <sighs> it he's gone now until january yep january that's him gone now that's like the nation has basically gotten almost wound up at that point yeah, yeah. genuinely rocky my is leading the nation yep. pretty much by that point and then like. he's he, he's not at wrestlemania 14 no no so he's gone then yeah He'll be back for a little bit again, and then he'll be gone. It's it. This is it for Ahmed. Yeah. The worst thing about it is that they did the week after. Uh, I don't know. Promo in bed. This is promo in bed, and you know I love me and Ahmed Johnson promo because it's high energy. But you ain't seen nothing left. You seen (laughs) Ahmed Johnson straight out of surgery, still a bit loopy from the fucking anesthetic, and he's like Undertaker, DOA. You know I see when you guys came out. You DOA. You're disciples of the Undertaker. You're Undertaker, and you come out here with your biker gang, biker, liker, miker, whatever, man. I'm going to be back. I'm going to be badder than ever. So you 
check it out before right. I knock you out. <laughs> I'm out of here. You told me about that, and I thought you must have been exaggerating with biker, liker, mica, but I went and I changed exactly biker, what you Biker, liker, mica. Biker, likers from mice. Liker, biker, mice. That was the most low energy saddest way to say goodbye to Ahmed Johnson. Yeah. Holy shit. We're talking about dropping like flies. You know, Shawn Michaels, tippity top guy, he's gone. Your guy waiting in the wings, Ahmed, he's gone now pretty much. Brett, you're basically at this point, they just said to Brett, we need to restructure your deal. We can't afford yep. paying you till, till 2017. Imagine that. His deal would have ended two years ago. That's crazy. So weird. So, yeah. I think it's a scary time to be in the WWF. Yeah. I kind of like can see why they do get a bit scared about thinking, you know, that's why they said to Brett, we have to restructure, I guess, mm. you know, because their business is not on solid foundations. Yeah. And you think it's scary now. Imagine when Austin gets hurt soon, they're going to be seriously fucking shitting themselves. Yeah, shit, like yeah. He's the one big guy they've got at the minute. You know, one of the reasons I think they probably say, let's go with Austin's because they knew that Austin's the type of guy that even if he broke his neck, he wasn't going to let this momentum yeah. go by the wayside. Yeah, it's you know? true. It's what it's, happens. It's exactly what happens. So yeah, we've got Gang Wars recapped here as well. So we got Los Bariquas mm. who are with Savio Vega, DOA, who's with Crush. We've got the New Nation. And then, of course, we've got the Heart Foundation involved with this. So we're going to have the Truth Commission. Also going to have DX. It's going to be bad times. Mm. I'm not looking forward to it. I'm really not looking forward to it. Cut to Big Cowman Vader with Paul Bear. All right, thank you, Vince. Paul Bear, last week on Raw, you stooped to an all-time low level, even for you by accusing The Undertaker of murdering his family. I mean, how can you even look in the mirror at yourself? Doc Hendricks, looking in the mirror is the best thing that I do every morning, if you know what I mean. And Undertaker, I don't know how you can look in the mirror, how you can look in the mirror knowing that you're a murderer, that you killed your entire family. And Undertaker is gonna be deja vu tonight when Vader whips you just like he did at the Royal Rumble and the whole world's gonna watch, oh yes, as you go down and as the gold is put over the shoulder of Vader. (laughs) 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 Fucking love it. We gotta talk about this. It's the big reveal. Paul Paul Bearer has revealed the secret at long live last. The secret that he made at the funeral side of the Undertaker's parents. You burned down the funeral home! You killed your parents! You're a murderer, Undertaker! You're a goddamn murderer! Whoa! Never heard the word murderer thrown around God so much. damn murderer. Mm. Yeah. And he screams it on Raw every chance he gets. He'll point at Undertaker going, Murderer! Child brother, yeah. he's the devil. Ah! The promo where he explains the whole story, Billy, is one of the best promos ever, I think, because he comes out and he's talking to it's either JR or Vince in the ring. It's Vince, I think, it's yeah. Vince, yeah, and he's talking to him about how many years ago he used to work in this funeral home where there was a couple that owned the place and these two young boys, and one of them was an absolute sweetheart, this little child Kane, but the other one, this little red headed kid. There was something about him. He had this look in his eye. What look was it, Kevin? The look of the devil! (laughs) And he's talking... He tells this long story about how he spent, like, two years being an apprentice and 
the Undertaker's father taught him everything he knows while he was in college and he was also studying like I forget the term he actually Mortuary used. Arts. Yeah, he, he lays out like a really detailed, like believable backstory. And he talks about how the Undertaker's ma- his father was a brilliant man yeah. and his mother was like the kindest woman Such he'd ever known. Woman, like... Oh, God. And he talks about how he would see the little two boys getting up to stuff such as one day, I don't know if you caught this. Caught this Smoking topic. cigarettes! What else were they doing, though? Stealing embalming fluids? Embalming chemicals, oh, Kevin. Adam! Oh, Undertaker no. and Kane were playing with chemicals. Adam, were they journeying into darkness? Boys, it's time to have a little journey into darkness. Adam, you gonna jid me up? <laughs> Stop saying jid. You got jid. the jid. Oh, Adam, you got jid all over my face. <laughs> of course, if... I was going to make a really nice joke about Jif and Sif, the uh, the British bleach brand, but I think you've spoiled that now. With your, your jizz joke. Sorry, Journey into Darkness, a little extract for you guys. His reunion with Undertaker ended up lasting less than a month, which left Bearer with no choice, really. He wasn't just going to go away. He wasn't just going to fade into the darkness and let Mark have sole possession of everything he'd worked so hard for. And don't forget the whole the whole thing... Not mentioned here, but the whole thing that Barry's upset about is the royalties. Like, he just yes. wants those royalties from Undertaker. Okay. They're fucking selling no t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. Mate, what's the gun? Sonny hasn't worn a, an Undertaker t-shirt. Sable's not saddled in flavor. Undertaker shirt. It's a chair. It's, it's the that thing on the back of the door. door like. Talk to Doc Hendricks. He's got your check, all right? Barra did exactly as he threatened. He told the world about the dark secrets hidden in the Undertaker's past. The family that had died because of his actions. Some of that had been known, of course, to wrestling insiders, to certain personages within the company. But now, Barra let more of the truth out. Not everyone in Undertaker's family had died. There was a survivor. A sibling who shared not just the dead man's name, but his prodigious fighting skill, his size, and his strength. Is that Glenn Kane? Oh yeah, sorry, that's Glenn Kane. Okay, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing he wanted was revenge oh uh, now i will say i hope you liked that little extract because it's the last one we're gonna have for a very long time well adam i know mm. that revenge much like jid is a dish best served cold <laughs> cold so, jid so, so the next one will be bad blood then won't it? it doesn't really? yeah, it doesn't pick up again now until bad blood and so. there's no only kind of hypothetical spain adventures that we could fill in, in the meantime we can know, speculate over we the can speculate for sure, mm. but there's nothing in the book to go on i would i would appreciate some speculative jid in the next few episodes adam <laughs> if that's all right is he still working down at the docks Kane? Oh no, Kane is, I, as far as I know, Kane is still sick in bed. Sick in bed, yeah. Right, being, okay. I was going to say drugged, but he's being chemicaled by Paul Bearer yeah. and he's not left his bedroom for ages. Right. Interesting. Now, as well with Paul's big reveal, he didn't reveal that Kane was alive straight away. It was, you burnt down the funeral home, you killed, yes. you killed your, your family. Mm-hmm. And it was only later when Undertaker came out to confront Paul Bearer. And this is, you know what? Only fucking Paul Bear, Percy Pringle, could deliver material like this and get it over. It's so convoluted, but he does such a great job. And like he has this bit where Undertaker comes out and he just grabs him by the throat, and he just open hand paintbrush fucking slaps the shit out of him, so back and forth, slapping his face, and until Bear finally gets out, Kane's alive, Kane is alive, and like he just wallops him. Like, that is so fucking powerful mm. and hard to watch. And I think it's honestly one of the best stories WWF have 
ever done. Agreed. I can't think of anything as cool as that. That's one of my favourite lines as well, because they use that in a lot of packages about Kane and his backstory. That Kane is alive soundbite gives me chills. Like, And as soon as Undertaker like hears that, and his reaction is just to slap him some more. Yeah. I, like, I just kind of love that, like the mm. fact that you know deep down Undertaker did do this. Like mm. he, he's, he's kind of... Play, like, I guess in kayfabe it doesn't make much sense but as we learned to find out he did do that like he did set fire to it it's not a lie as he makes out at all he's pulling the wool over the creatures of the night's eyes mm-hmm. which is very fun as well the creatures of the night when Paul Bear came out to cut his big promo Billy a goth girl attacked him because Ooh. you know creatures of the night stick to fucking gather you know <laughs> was that a shoot or was it a work the, the goth girl. Yeah. I think that was a shoot. Like, you reckon? I don't know. Like, Would they want to encourage fans jumping the barrier? I Especially d- after the lad that, from the Special Olympics last month. Oh, like, fucking hell, yeah. Do they really want to encourage that kind of stuff? I don't know. They also did an angle on Shotgun Saturday Night where Brian Pillman attacked a fan in the audience and stabbed him with a pencil. I hated this. <laughs> because, right, because it took me so long to understand what happened on Shotgun. Brian Pillman comes out on Raw, and you're seeing him making his entrance, Chimmel saying on the way to the ring, the following contest, etc. Brian Pillman's about to have a match. And you've got JR and Vince talking, going, uh, as we may have seen on Shotgun Saturday night, Brian Pillman attacked a fan. Well, yes, the fan had been antagonizing him, but Pillman lost his temper. And of course, as we all know, Gorilla Monsoon fired him on the spot. That's right, Brian Pillman has been fired. He was immediately fired, and he's there, like, stretching, getting ready to do his match. And they're just going on about, like, Oh, yep, he's been fired and Gorilla Monsoon made him give a public apology. <laughs> Turns out he was announcing on Shotgun Saturday Night <laughs> and he's not allowed to announce anymore. But they didn't say so that at any from point. Announcing. It's just like, here's this man in the ring wrestling a match and they're like, oh, he's been fired, as we all know. Now he has to wrestle as punishment, like, you know, <laughs> on his bad ankle. <laughs> but yeah, no Shotgun on the network still, so... No, I still can't see gotta it. Gotta wait for that. I, I'm excited to watch some Shotgun eventually, because I imagine it is a fucking train wreck. It looks pretty fucking ropey from every clip I and see. I'm not just it. saying that because a lot of it was filmed in a train station. <laughs> yeah. Do you like the headbangers? Because I hope you do. There's a lot of them on this show. Yay! So, we get a recap of the Royal Rumble, where Big Van Vader beat The Undertaker. And then Paul Bear says that, it's gonna be deja vu! And then he pulls a little face. Great little face that he pulls. <laughs> he is such a detestable toad of a man. Yeah. Yes. That little fucking smile on his face. I don't think anyone in wrestling has just like fucking understood what it means to be a fucking villain like mm-hmm. Paul Bear. And with such weird material as well, like. Mm-hmm. Now, and I guess, you know, he's legitimately a mortician. He does have that yeah. uh, skill set. Maybe that's just it. The, he brings it to life because he knows it. So, it was originally meant to be Ahmed Johnson, but he's injured and he's dealing with Liker Mice from bars. So, it's going to be Big Van Vader taking on The Undertaker for the WWF Championship. And Vader, I guess, is still aligned with Paul Bear. Yes, firmly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the Mankind did not really explain that. Actually, that reminds me, one of my favourite things about that whole Paul promo is he, because obviously he's been doing this for weeks saying, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, and then he finally says it, he cuts this whole promo, and then after the break, it shows you backstage what's going on. It's Paul Bearer stood there with Vader, and Vader's like patting him on the back like, you did what you had to do, I'm really proud of you, Paul. He's like, it's so sweet. He's like, oh, you did it, mate. That was, <laughs> that was really brave. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's been on your chest for a long time, man. <laughs> so like, sweet. You know? <laughs> Did anyone get a look at Vader's cool new Titan Tron? No, I missed it. <laughs> this is so great. It's, it's time. It's time. It's Vader time. Eww! 
and then bum bum Vader, bum bum Bully, <laughs> bum bum Kuwait. <laughs> it's literally him shaking and going dun dun dun. dun, 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 dun Good morning Kuwait. Like dun 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 dun. Jail. I was expecting the bar to come there. Like a void stamp coming on his passport. And then get given a receipt by Shamrock. Jim Ross getting us hyped up for this one here. We've seen that Vader can do incredible things. What Vader will we see tonight? What? Implying that there's a shit Vader who's not lived up to his expectations. And then there's a great Vader who can kick ass like at the Final Four or when he wrestled The Undertaker. Or, you know what? I don't care how fucking important it is for Jim Ross to let everyone know that he knows that he's not good. I can't suspend my disbelief when you got a fucking monster coming to the ring and you're telling me that he doesn't bring his A-game usually. How the fuck does that help anyone? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I listen to AEW commentary and he's like, you know what, you telling me that an act has some kinks to work out and it's not all there yet and that it's a bit rusty... On pay-per-view? Yeah. yeah. Say it on your fucking podcast yeah. if you want to. Like. It's not as if you've got thousands of platforms with which you can do that. Mm. No, let's do it on the fucking show. On the This is something you say in a meeting. Yes. When it's on the show, it's fucking Hugh Jackman, baby. This is the greatest show. I don't care mm. if it's fucking fully loaded 98 you thump your chest and say it's the best show. Because mm-hmm. you're the commentator. It's your job to set the tone. Yeah. And you're telling me... There's a one in two chance that this will be a disappointing title yes. match. Yeah. Well, this one ain't going on last tonight, folks. I guess we know why. Mm. Vader's involved. <laughs> oh. I mean, why? Come on, like, yeah, you know? <laughs> what does Undertaker and the Ryback have in common with their entrances? Billy, a little bit of a... Or an Adam as well. A little mm. bit of a, a quiz for you now. Mm. They share something in their entrances. No. Sorry, we're just going to sidebar. Let's yeah. a little bit of conferring. Their, their tie team will be called Dead Meat on the Table, by the way, yeah. just so you know. Okay. Ryback says, wake up. Undertaker yeah. says, no. <laughs> <laughs> Ryback's got the red eye. Undertaker's got no eyes because yeah. he rolls back. Undertaker, you know, he makes other people eat his blood for their blood type. That's true. Yeah. Ryback <laughs> drinks blood. Ryback doesn't raise the light. Oh, they both put their hands over their head at some point during the entrance. I mean, that that is technically correct, but that's not what I was going for. Okay. Both have the audio firework. Oh. When Undertaker raised the lights, we got... When Ryback goes... Into his hand. Hey. We get the yeah. audio firework, which... Vader sells as well. When Undertaker goes, Vader like he sells the the bang. Well, in fairness, this is a different Undertaker we've got here tonight because normally he'll do the sort of the slowly raise the lights up and everyone mm. goes, oh yeah, well done, that was yeah. good, that's cool. But tonight he puts his hands at his side and he's like, bah! like that and oh! scares everyone like, with a big jump scare lights on. Interesting. Like. Do you think we're gonna see some changes in the Undertaker now that the cat's out of the bag regarding his murdering ways? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, once you've been outed as a murderer, you may as well. Yeah. It's like, do you remember? The, roll with it. Do you remember the day that Rolf Harris got arrested and the picture in the paper? He was like, nah. he like, <laughs> looked like you, you described it, Kevin, as like in a Disney film when the baddie's been revealed and then their hair goes all evil and it's like, fine, I'll stop pretending to be a good guy. You should have taken so many pictures of Rolf in front of a fireplace, guys. It just makes him look evil. <laughs> Paul Bear lurks around in this one. Mm. This match, honestly, I enjoyed primarily for the antics of Paul Bear. Mm. Yeah, the only probably good thing about this match is Bearer. I mean, were you expecting much going into this one? Um, no, not really. 
What I wasn't expecting was the sound effects. Yeah. Two times in this match, we get stampede sound effects. Wait, what? Hey. Did you not notice this? No. no. What was like, this? Two different times, we get like like a herd of cows, a sound effect, and then the camera, the hard camera, oh, starts that. shaking. I thought that was and meant Vader to be. And Vader sells it. Wait a minute. And Bearer sells the sound. We hear the stampede sound and Bearer puts his hands over his ears because it's too loud. I I swear that's the crowd like all stamping their feet at the same time. I heard moos. I heard moos. Billy, tell me there's ghost cows in this old radio. I think there's ghost cows here because it happened twice. I don't think it's the crowd. I think it's a pumped in sound effect. Oh wait, and you saying remember because Undertaker he cut a lot of promos in his special blue room after this, mm-hmm. and he's like, I have chosen the path of the Grim Reaper. I have no friends but the ghosts and the dead who wrung a lad sad me straight to hell. It's like Return of the King. It is. <laughs> and then the cow is like, release me. If that... <laughs> <laughs> if, if that is just the crowd stomping their feet, I'd be very surprised. Because when it happens the first time, Betterer legit puts his hands over his ears. I mean, it was a rabid crowd. It was. And I've seen them do that before. They did it at, I think, Capital Carnage, where the crowd makes a lot of noise and the cameraman's just like, oh, I'll just shake this a little bit. So it looks like it's crazy Wait. in here. Yeah. I do like seeing a fan with a murderer's sign. It's <laughs> <laughs> getting nice. over a Bear's new catchphrase. Who, who keeps shouting, murderer! <laughs> One, two, murderer! <laughs> Adam, we've obviously got high expectations for this one. Yeah. We got Big Van Vader, the bully of Kuwait, the scourge of the Middle East, taking on the necromancer Undertaker here, who's commanding the army of the bovine dead. Mm-hmm. So you want to take us through this one? Championship match. Well, you may not see this coming, but Taker throws Vader into the corner. Oh, are you kidding me? Starts bopping him around in that corner, and then in the other corner. Soup bones. Eventually... <laughs> Vader starts picking up some steam, but he gets taken out by a big flying clothesline, the one that the taker goes flying over. And then we start working in the corner again. Oh. The greatest pure striker in the history of the WWE. <laughs> On the outside, Vader throws Undertaker knees first into the steps, which looks fucking disgusting. Ow! And then we get a nice little spot where Vader slowly chases Paul Bearer around the ringside. He's like, I could easily catch you if I wanted to walk. Slightly faster, but I'm not going to. And then Vader, wouldn't you know it, Vader stops him before he gets there. I feel, given that our second episode of season one, which comes around nine months after this, it feels like, the fact that they're still doing The Undertaker slowly going Chasing to get Bearer. I think, that, like, Jesus Christ, he's been beating the shit out of Paul Bearer for months now, mm. and it's still another year to go. Yeah. Set his face on fire already. All like. right, we get it. Like, you're going to beat up Paul Bearer. You're still a murderer, mate. Like, you can't change this fucking those facts. Vader knocks Undertaker down, and Paul hits him with the Bearer special. Anyone catch this? Is, the, is this when he like taps him with his foot like? Takes his shoe off, Kevin. Oh! Bopping him with it like that. Naughty boy. Don't Jim Ross is like, well, if the heel don't get you, the smell will. <laughs> when you smell his feet, you fucking freak. Like. The, uh, the hotline gets promoted. Oh, did yeah. You, and did, did you hear who we can speak to by calling the hotline? I didn't, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's Brian Pillman and Sonny. It is not. Oh! It is someone I don't think anyone wants to talk to on the hotline. The Honky Tonk Man. Are you oh, kidding me? man. He's the one they're promoting. Say, so if you call the hotline, you can speak to oh, the Honky Tonk Man. Oh, you know what Honky Tonk Man would do, though? He'd speak really slow, so you have to pay more money. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, I've got my lung. Sad. 
Burns! <laughs> Please insert a quarter. <laughs> and then he's just going to sit back like smoking a cigarette. Man, my hair slipped back as well, man. You still on the land? <laughs> Are you at the point where he does the scary tombstone do si No, I think just before we get to that, we've got an actual grunt of the night. Oh, okay, here, like, a an actual non, proper non-fan one. Like, grunt yeah. of the night. Vader does a big slow suplex on the Undertaker, which is genuinely impressive. He like slowly goes mm. and lifts him up, but he does a big, <laughs> which honestly sounds like another kaiju monster. So mm. like, it's a shame we're not going to get Vader versus Ahmed anytime soon. Yeah, because that would be a grunting showdown. We did get it on Raw, but it was uh, all too brief, unfortunately. A bit too quiet for my taste. You know what? That exact grunt is the exact same grunt that he made when he threw Ken Shamrock out of the ring at Cold Day in Hell. Oh, really? The... Yeah. <laughs> it's piped in. He hasn't actually done it. Like... <laughs> Vader gets Undertaker in a nerve hole for a while, and we slow things down. Oh, you right call it a nerve hole, like, you know. Put his hand on him, like, oh, there you are now. How you doing, How mate? you doing? You've had a rough go of it lately, haven't oh, you? Oh, fuck off with that nerve hole. It was rubbish. Who taught you that one? Crush. Undertaker starts hulking up, like, getting, like, proper baby face Undertaker, being like, <laughs> and he starts, buk, 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 you, buk, If you buk. had the special glass and you see all the ghosts would be going into him, giving yeah. extra mana <laughs> to power him up. Vader goes up to the second rope to hit him with the splash, but instead gets a low blow from the Undertaker. With the ref looking. With the ref looking directly on, but... I'm not going to allow this. <laughs> what are you going to do, DQ me? I'll fucking murder you. <laughs> I'll murder you like I murdered my parents. Like, whoa, whoa, okay. It's crazy that the, the consciousness of the WWE is <laughs> like an in-kayfabe murderer. Wait, <laughs> murderer. He's the conscience. He's not the consciousness. Mm. Conscience is worse. Like, yeah. he's the moral compass of the WWE. And he's going to fucking Saudi Arabia, taking that blood money and being a yeah. murderer. Of course, as we all know, the unconsciousness of the WWF at the time was Shawn Michaels. <laughs> mur- mur- murder's fine, but you can't eat a b- a fried chicken over Chris Benoit's bag. <laughs> <laughs> so Undertaker hits Vader with a second rope goozle, which Vader kicks out of. That was the damnedest thing. Yeah, mm. big the- Big goozle from the yeah. second row. He, like. he, took, he took a while to bounce up and build yeah. up the spring. I like that. Then we get another goozle in the middle of the ring, which Vader also kicks out of, making him look really strong. Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen anyone kick out of two goozles. Yeah. Toozles. Protected goozles. <laughs> What we just glossed over there that you mentioned before, Kevin, was the scary, the first go at the tombstone spot, which was I, I fucking this ugly. The tombstone scary do do Yeah, Undertaker picks him up for the tombstone, looks very shonky and sloppy. Then he falls backwards like we're going to do the reverse tombstone like, spot. Like, like Vader's going to do the tombstone. Then Undertaker, he's going to go back and do it again. But no. they collapse. That ain't happening. Oh, it was bad. Imagine trying to make a house of cards, but every card is Big Van Vader. Mm, That's what they tried yeah. to do here. They're all covered in sausage grease and they're not going to stand up. Like. It doesn't work. But Undertaker does finally hit a big, giant, heavy tombstone for the win, which looks fucking devastating. Yeah. Like, his hands are even all the no, way around. It looked amazing. So heavy. And honestly, like, I had the lowest expectations just because it's Bugger Red. And I thought this was a decent match by his standards. I thought it was okay. It was the best big man Undertaker match I've seen in a, in a long old time. Yeah, and very long time. given that his matches are exclusively big man matches, yeah. I'll take this over him versus Sid or Farouk or the inevitable... You know, this was going to be him and Ahmed. Oh, yeah. Could God. you fucking imagine that, yeah. like... Oh, Billy, you're shaking your head and smacking your lips here. So uh, uh, it's just another Undertaker match. It is. I mean, 
it it was better than Farouk. It was better than Sid, but that's not saying much. Yeah. So yeah. it's still, you know, I, I, I still have yet to see a match that has come close to for The Undertaker. What was the one the... that you liked that he was good at? You said, because there was one where it was Undertaker was good at. Ooh, Who'd have it was the one. What was before are Cold you, Vein you... Hell? This season, you mean, sorry. Yeah. Take his revenge. It was, been... it was him and Mankind. Him and Mankind is the only yeah. one I've enjoyed this season. Yeah. I guess that's not him and a, yeah, that's not really the big man thing, is it? No. Probably not going to let it go to that level. I'll tell you what, the thing I like most about Undertaker winning is the nameplate, you know, graphic that comes up for this, which is a skull of a cow and then it's a big piece of sawn off charred wood and then his name is like branded on it. So it goes Undertaker and it makes it seem like kind of a special big steak eating challenge at a restaurant. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, if you eat the Undertaker in 15 minutes, you get free bread rolls for life or whatever it is. Also, I gotta say, I have a lot of time for them cutting to JR and Vince McMahon and him being like, imagine being accused of murdering your family, ladies and gentlemen. You can understand The Undertaker's got a lot on his mind at the moment. <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, we've all been there, pal, but they never proved it. <laughs> Call the police, Vince! We get the exact same footage as we did earlier of the yeah. stampede. There's Brett signing every autograph. Tweeting all morning long. <laughs> <laughs> No reading challenge or anything like that. No mini golf competition. Mini golf or art auction now. So yeah, we got a, a recap that somehow tries to tie in the main event to Gang Wars. It's a DOA package to start off with. Yeah. It's like, here's the DOA, Disciples of the Apocalypse. This is what happened. They came out with Crush. They attacked the Nation of Domination. Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Whoa, boy, that's been going on for some time. Austin's here too. What's going on? It's five on five. It's literally like they just mixed up all the packages. Yeah, like all here, you like... needed to do is is what the story we're actually told is uh, at the last pay per view, Brett set out this challenge. Austin was obviously going to be be there, and Goldust arranged the yeah. Team US. That's all you need it's to say. Simple. That's all you need to do. Is it weird that in a five on five match they showed us? 15 men who were not involved in the match Ooh, first. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> that was really weird. I'll tell you one thing about the gang wars, though. And this needs to be stated, because I can say, could say now I'm looking into my crystal ball. There's going to be a lot of soft and heavy bearing of the gang wars storyline in our immediate and not immediate future. But this shit got big pops when it started. It did. When when DOA came out on them bikes. Yeah, them very t- over. Them tatting backs. Yeah. Mm. People were excited. And I will say, the one thing I like about it is the gangs so far are well-branded. Like, Los Bariquas came out all in white vests and tan slacks. Yeah, DOA, they're like, like baddies and the Warriors. It's, it's very much the Warriors yeah. so far. Yeah. Good There's clear definition of these different yeah. gangs. Looking at the positives, we're trying to trying to be, be nice. We're uh, looking at everything that's good about this storyline. I don't know, I kind of want Jim the Anvil Neidhart to have hi-hat! <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. But yeah, it's not about any of those guys. It's about Stone Cold Steve Austin and his group of five men, which has been arranged by Goldust, which includes the Legion of Doom and was going to have Psycho Sid, but we've now got Ken Shamrock instead. Legion of Sid minus Sid. I know. Mm. It's not a real Legion of Sid then, is it, Bill? The moment of mayhem has arrived. It's weird that we've got that it's literally meant to be the five of the best in the WWF. And Goldust even says, I think we've got that five right here. No Undertaker, no Mankind, no Triple A. No Shawn Michaels. No Shawn Michaels. Like, it seems like no Sid, 
No, no Ahmed. Well, obviously, Carl. No, Fa- I mean, Farouk would be considered honestly, a top contender. This yeah. would have been a good chance for them to be like, oh, we don't like you, but you are one of the best ones we have. So. You know what actually would have really helped this whole. I'm sorry, we're, we're in fantasy booking what is objectively one of the best matches ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, like, I, I would have been interesting if they did try real go full on with this odd couple thing. And if you did put Farouk in there as one of the guys and you had, like, a member of the nation trying to coexist with this, and then you could have Brett and them being like, see, this shows you that America is always at each other's throats because you've all these factions and these people aren't getting along. Mm. Not like us Canadians like Jim the Anvil Neidhart and uh, Brian Pillman. And Two Canadians and Team Canada. I married a Canadian, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Bless, cutting back now, we've got the odd team with Doc Hendricks. Everyone has a go at the promo. Apart from Steve. Ken's nervous, isn't he? Oh, yes. Oh, Did you see the look on Hawk's face when Ken's doing his, his promo? He's like, I'm proud of you. He put his hand on his shoulder. You like. did well. <laughs> <laughs> Austin walks off all surly before he even says anything. Like, yeah. No one understands what it's like to be the sad man. Behind blue eyes. It's time for a Canadian caption contest. It's Kevin and Adam in here, in the past, but also the future. Hello. Hello, we've got our big cowboy hats on. Very large cowboy hats. And the caption du jour, Adam? Is three men in cowboy hats. Three men in the biggest hats you ever did see. Hey, Adam, if I was to ask you about wrestling in Japan in the 70s, what images come to mind? Ooh, violence. Yes. Um, spicy times. Like I, I imagine it being very wild and debut albums from Terry Funk. I want to say lawless feels like the kind of word I would associate with that era. Well, on that note, it brings us to the caption contest sponsor today, which is the rise and fall of Ricky Dozen, which is a new novel from George Twig, set in that very same universe, the pro wrestling scene of the mid to late 20th century in Japan, a time where people tuned in in their tens of millions to watch their national sporting heroes destroy the legions upon legions of American heels. Among them, I believe, would be Terry Funk. He oh, seems he would. Like, yeah. seems like a legion type of guy. Enjoy a wild tale of staged and very real violence as you follow a young man's journey into the world of his childhood idol, Ricky Dozen. A world of scheming backstage officials, ambitious mid-carders, celebrities, Yakuza dons, and worst of all, mysterious pizza parlor owners. Ooh. I've played a lot of Yakuza games. I was going to say. you got to watch out for those guys. That does genuinely give me Yakuza Shenmue kind of vibes there. I like that. Experience the stories behind Ricky Dozen's top rivals and protégés. Learn about Luthez becoming NWA champion, holding the belt for almost 2,000 days straight. That sounds like fun. And the time Antonio Inoki wrestled Ric Flair in North Korea. Classy Freddie Blassie eating light bulbs and giving old people heart attacks. And we have a guarantee from the author, Adam, this is the only novel on the market that will mention both Terry Funk and SpongeBob SquarePants. So, yeah. Whoa, the only one. That's the only one. Pretty big claim right there. Yeah, and it is available on Kindle and on paperback on Amazon. And you can follow the author of The Rise and Fall of Ricky Dozen at Puro Podcast. That's P U R O Podcast on Twitter. On to your captions. So. We have three men. It wasn't us and Billy in cowboy hats. This was Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler. Only Billy has a cowboy hat. Yeah, we should make that perfectly clear. Perfectly clear. Billy does actually have a cowboy hat, and it is part of his gimmick now. And people were wondering if Billy, when wearing that hat, was dressed up as JR Mm. at the live podcast. Well, we can address this now, I think. We need to talk about some repositioning or reshuffling, I guess, because... 
Cowboy Kevin Mahan, yeah. obviously, leader of the ranch. Yeah, yeah. You came out to the live show. There was no cowboy hat on your head. There were no spurs on your feet. No, it's cowboys in my soul, mate. I don't need to wear a... Mm. You know, I think that Billy is better than the boy, so he's becoming the man. So if he wants to adopt the cow man of Cowman... Cowman Billy Keeble. Uh, brackets don't have a, you know... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's, that's, you know, he can pick that up on the sidewalk. Adam, all I'm saying is I'm confident enough in my cowboyness that I don't I don't feel remotely threatened, you know? Not even threatened at all by Jerry Lawler, Vince McMahon and Jim Ross in comically large cowboy hats at ringside. Yeah, okay, I'm a little I'm a little bit intimidated by, by Jerry here. So we got some captions at facebook.com slash attitude era podcast. Why not give us a like? And Adam, you've got some from... From Twitter, where you can find us at AE Podcast. Give us a follow. You Why don't you uh, take the reins on this one? Okay, so first up here we've got from at Real Deal JRH. It's your old pal Cowboy Vince McMahon. And I, of course, joined today, as always, by my <laughs> cohorts, comrades, and colleagues. First to my left, Jim Ross. How are you doing today, Jim? <laughs> I hate the hat, Vince. <laughs> and to my right, the baddest cowboy on the planet, Jerry Lawler. <laughs> So now both you and Billy have now been associated with Jim Ross. That's right, I yeah. I feel left out in the cold here. Uh-huh. Now I feel intimidated. Now I feel threatened. <laughs> Got Lane Barrett here over on Facebook. Hey, look at me. I'm JR. Howdy, 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 howdy. <laughs> There's quite a few variations on that one. Oh, of howdy, howdy, howdy. Of just any sort of reference to Woody, including here from at Tristan M. Carroll saying, Woody's Roundup, 1997, colorized. <laughs> Tony Stark here on Facebook. All right, fine. But on my birthday, we all have to wear crowns. <laughs> at hand underscore spring 777 says, Okay, JR, see we're wearing this cowboy crap now to make Brett think we still like him. And then we can really twist the knife later in Montreal. Uh-oh. I said the loud part quiet and the quiet part loud. <laughs> this is King Mabel all over again. <laughs> At CP Hutchinson says, It's just the same three-man booth as the last time on Raw. Yes, but now they've got a new hat. Elijah Galvin here saying, And thus Cowboy Kevin Mann was born, implying that I have not one but three dads, Gee. all of whom are cowboys. Three men and a cowboy. <laughs> Three men and a little cowboy. <laughs> At Dreams of Luxor, this one is definitely for you more than it is me, but I know what it's referencing. Jerry, you'll look like a cowboy. I don't want to look like a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good midway Jerry the King Seinfeld. Yeah, I like that. thank you. You got both there. From Jake Mitchell. Basically, I'm just here to upset Matthew from the last caption contest by starting my caption with the words basically. I love the Triple H was God damn it! I thought we literally, we were talking about this on Slack the other day, that this is not going to happen anymore. That's why we had a bunch and we picked this one because we no knew. Triple H. No Triple H. Yeah. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. No more Triple H. No more Triple H. At the 94th minute on Twitter saying, JR disappointed as he comes third in the JR lookalike contest. <laughs> Classic wrestling review. But Vince, I can't see any puppies with the blast shield, Dad. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Use the force, Jerry. Wait on second thought. No, don't do that. <laughs> At I wish I was a polar on Twitter. I'm seeing double here. Six JRs. That's too many JRs. Natalie Carnes here. But what if I did this? But I made the third hat tiny instead. Ah, young Kurt Angle thinking to himself. <laughs> At Jonathan Joy 17 I can't tell if this is a reference that I don't understand, but either way, it made me laugh. You can take this job and shove it because I quit. 
I'd love JR to walk over this he, three cowboy hat. I mean, he, he, there was a great promo that he did on Eric Bischoff. And all I remember is that Eric Bischoff was in the Stone Cold Steve Austin vest and he was like campaigning a, a, a war of torture against Austin JR. And JR was like, well, you can take this job and shove it. I quit. And King was like, oh no, come on. Oh man, now I have to commentate with Jonathan fucking Coach. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but this time I've been trying to give out people's handles on Twitter more. So, mm. you know, give them a little shout out to where yeah. you can find them as well. Yeah, yeah. Regretting that now. The next one here from at Tyler22758390 says, and thus... Oh, wait, now give it the proper number. What is it like? At Tyler22758390. 2275... Oh, you want the actual, the full English. <laughs> at... <laughs> okay. At Tyler, 22,758,390 says... Hey there. And thus, Kevin Stable, the ranch, had officially taken over the WWF. I'm glad we got there. <laughs> I like the, the idea of the ranch being like an NWO faction where more and more men just show up with... with like, hats, like... He takes off his hat to reveal a cowboy hat <laughs> underneath. <laughs> wait a minute, like, you know? Mark Valentine. I can't wait until Vince takes off this hat so I can see all the beautiful divas and their puppies. There's no puppies here, Jerry. Just Canadians. And then inexplicably, ruh He's a dog now. He's a dog. He's now Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but just because this is a fabulous, fabulous one. I just, you know, taking out the hats, taking out, stripping it all back here. This is focusing on the fact that Vince has turned to JR here. And it's David Caudill here saying, believe me, Jim, Brackus. It's going to be the future of the WWF. <laughs> you got at the real Drew V1 here saying, Hey, JR, you know what they say about big cowboy hats? What, King? They go, damn, that's a big cowboy hat. <laughs> I hate Stu Hart. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was a polar again here on Twitter saying, but Vince, I said the Hart family, not the hat family. <laughs> Although the Hat Family or the Hat Foundation, the Hat Foundation, I'd be, I'd be all up for that. Like you <laughs> the know. Harry Hatman finally debuts in wrestling. And Dallas Lewis here saying this is the evolution of the cowboy hat from its prehistoric larger days to the streamlined version that we have now with Jr. You know, it's very nice. Someone just put a load of laughing emojis at the end of there, is making it seem like they got loads of action on Twitter. It's like, yeah. Oh, dirty. dirty. <laughs> okay, right. We're gonna, let's round off here now. Let's try and end on a couple of couple of couple of good ones here, right? Okay, so last one on Twitter we've got from at Gokuman here saying, Is this symbolic Vince? <laughs> right. I know we've been harsh on the Simpsons references. We're pretty fussy. We yeah. we, we have we have given an instruction to up the game. Yep. This is the game officially being upped. More like this, please. This is from Mike Tyson. Oh! <laughs> no, not 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 that one. Okay, alright. Oh no, my thoughts are encrusted with filth! Oh well, I guess I'll protect them anyway. But this is just between you and me, oversized hat. That's deep dive, That's baby. Very good. That's deep dive. Very good. I like that. That's such a deep dive, I have to go into a special decompression chamber now so I don't get the <laughs> I don't, don't get, get the, the, bends. the caption contest bends like, you know. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for all of your lovely captions. Goodness, over three hundred. That's that a, was wild. And we were less than twenty four hours with this one. Yeah, so. that was another snap caption contest. That's so snapshot well contest. So thank you very much for everyone, as always. If you are interested in sponsoring the caption contest, 
We have spots available. You can do so by contacting us on patreon.com slash aepodcast or you can send us an email to attitudeerapodcast at gmail.com. Hey, massive shout out and thanks to George Twig for sponsoring the caption contest this month. And don't forget to check out the rise and fall of Ricky Dozen on Kindle and Amazon. Right, Adam, we have to... Uh, Saddle up these horses, get mosey down the trail, get back Whoa. to Canada. Hold on there, girl. You'll get your pancake Wait, breakfast. <laughs> Just like you taught me, pal. <laughs> well, off we go. Back down to Canadian uh, Stampede. That you played Red Dead too. And I, I have. Oh, so I'm I, doing Arthur Morgan. No, I, I don't know what you're on about. I, I'm still living in the very much the mindset of I'm John Marston's kid. I'm Jim Marston. John Marston's kid. I'm coming at this guy here. He can't even handle my Arthur Morgan wins. <laughs> Back to Canadian <laughs> Back Stampede. Back to Canadian Stampede. <laughs> <laughs> the Canadian national anthem gets played by Farmer's Daughter. This is terrible. Yep. Really I mean, it's, it's a banger of an anthem, don't get me no, wrong. No, well, the Canadian national anthem is my second favourite national anthem. What's your favourite? Morocco. Oh, um, tell us about Morocco. Right, it's, it's just got a really nice melody. It's like... It's, it's like something from like Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah, that sounds it's amazing. Great. The old Soviet Union one, that was a fucking banger. Like, yeah. Mm, proper, like... the Tetris theme, is it? <laughs> no? Adam, favourite national anthem? Uh, Good old blighty mate. Yeah, (laughs) God save the Queen. Yeah, what's Ireland's like? Fall. It sounds like an advert for milk or something. Yeah, it's an advert for killing the British. (laughs) 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 I was just like hoping you were going to start singing black and tans then. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. So yeah, I think it says something bad about about where our minds go anytime there is like, and here's a celebrity to sing a song that you don't recognise. You're like, Bleh. give me the dirt, <laughs> <laughs> literally immediately. Yo, Mr. Google. <laughs> we were like Farmer's Daughter, and I was like, oh, I don't see anything. They seem fine. And Kevin went, type in Farmer's Daughter controversy <laughs> and see what comes up. Let me get Joey numbers on the line. He's got some dirt on Farmer's Daughter. They came back clean. They they they're fine. Oh. Nothing on them. And now to introduce some celebrities of note in the crowds, the premier of Alberta, Canada, Ralph Klein. Adam, go, 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 go. Okay, okay. Wait, wait, wasn't there actually something dodgy about him? Yeah, he was with the Grim Reapers Motorcycle Club. That was it. <laughs> Anti-beration to the homeless. Oh. oh, yeah, he was seen, like, inebriated outside of a homeless shelter, shouting at people for not having jobs. And then, like, I don't know, footage of this made its way online or something. It was something, him like. and the rest of the Grim Reapers revving their motorbikes outside of suitcases. <laughs> <laughs> just like that DX episode of SmackDown where they went and just made fun of homeless people all day. So, yeah, he was a, he was affiliated with the Grim Reapers, but then got in, like, trouble then later on when he tried to, like, outlaw the Hells Angels because the Grim Reapers merged with the Hells Angels. Right. Mm. So this is all bike chat, like, you know, you come here for the hog talk here on the Attitude podcast. Come for the wrestling, stay for the biker-like-a-mica chat. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ralph Klein could obviously join the, uh, the the money man from WWA is or like troubled oh, yeah. biker yeah. money launderers or whatever we've got. So we also have in the audience Stu and Helen Hart. Nice to see him there. Is it? It is. Is it? It is. Can you tell me anything nice about Stu and Helen? Anything nice? They love each other very much. That'll do, I guess. I mean, I you mean, can say that about Vincent. I mean, Linda, like, like but... you could say it's nice. Well, apparently, that well, it's not. It's not nice. But I can tell you. <laughs> I, I can tell you that, like, you never want to eat eggs made by Stu Hart because that house was so messy. It was covered in cat shit. Yeah. And like he would <laughs> like he would have his little frying pan, and then be like a cat would shit on the side, and then he's, oh, he's making his eggs. He's making his eggs. 
and then like he'll just flick the cat shit off with the, the spatula and take it back Fairly. to the eggs. Sorry, uh, the reason N- Neidhart would say that. The reason why you know this is because you listened to a podcast where they read. Is it Diana? No, Hart's no, no. That's, that's that's Neidhart said that happened. Okay, because I know that there was one that's of those, a story from Neidhart. There's so many dodgy books that came out of of hearts and wives of yeah, hearts. Cat shit eggs, mate. But I know that I know that that anecdote made its way into one of them, and yeah. apparently it broke Stu's heart. They were like, <laughs> no, it was Neidhart. That. that was from Neidhart's mouth. What's wrong with you, Billy? That I say, can you tell me something nice about Stu and Helen? Like, oh yeah, don't eat Stu's eggs if you ever go around his ass for tea. But Adam, you can eat my eggs whenever you. you want. No, That's because you don't have a cat, mate. Exactly. There's not, I've just got. If tribes. you had a cat, I'd be. But you know. <laughs> so here we go. We have got the Heart Foundation of Brian Pillman, own heart. Brett the Hitman Heart making his return. British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith and Jim the Anvil Nightheart taking on Goldust. Hawking Animal, The Legion of Dune, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock, who's got new entrance music. Thank God. Which is the old entrance music, which is... Now, unfortunately, we miss the old Ken Shamrock music, which was... Executive producer Vince McMahon. Wait a minute, how am I meant to date her? She's meant to be my sister. <laughs> I love when we have big multi matches like this when they do a combined weight because it's like because when because <laughs> yeah. when you get to a, no, a number higher than a thousand pounds, it's just there's no point even yeah, saying it. Can't comprehend. It's, 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 yeah, it's completely without context. Like it doesn't work anymore. I mean, if I was someone who was self conscious about my weight, I go for these like ten man tags because the spread is kind Slip of because like, that's like yeah. one Bob Holly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No Marlena here tonight. She's at home being a mom. She's a super mom, according to Vince. Super mom, gotta be super dad, super wife, super husband. Did you did you see she was in the uh, news a couple of months ago? Yes, because mm. Austin three sixteen may have just said I whipped your ass, but Terry Reynolds nine millimeter just a call nine one one. Yeah, we, we, we had a chat on, on the crawl like uh, Terry fully loaded Reynolds like. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what, for the people that haven't heard on the crawl, though, what was it she did with the she gun? She tried to take a gun on a plane. On an airplane! <laughs> so basically what happened is... A loaded gun. So what happened was, Kat stole her top, so then Terry showed up at <laughs> our been... house with a gun. Like, you, know, you know, kicked open the window, opened the door. Like, She's been Kevin mad Kelly about this like, for, you know, 20 years. <laughs> oh, boy. So everyone's out here. The face pops for the Heart Foundation. I don't think I've ever seen Own Heart smile and go, yeah, and the crowd are like, oh, and, oh, and. What a sight to see. Mm. If there's anything we've heard about this pay-per-view, it's that, oh, yeah, the Heart Foundation get a hero's welcome. And I've heard that a million times, and it still didn't prepare me for the fucking explosion they yeah. get at the start here. Jim Neidhart, low energy by comparison. Not himself. Came out, he went, this is Canada, baby. This is the real deal. Oh, he's just happy to be home. I know you're from Reno, but it's all right. We don't tell, <laughs> we don't tell anyone. You're a Canuck like the rest of us. Bruce Hart is stood up, ready to ruin the finish of the match. He's mm-hmm. <laughs> there, ready, willing, yeah. and able. With his cool sunglasses is there. Brett's reaction, though, I mean, that that's something else. Mm. Like, that's, I think, all-time, like, God tier. We're, yeah. not, we're not being rowdy because you represent something. This is just pure... 
love. Yeah. I, I think I think back to the CM Punk Money in the Bank reaction. And a lot of that reaction is kind of like, we're about to like change wrestling, it feels like. Yeah, it's a revolution almost. Yeah, this like... represents a moment and, a, and, and a, a shift and a change. Something's been said that needs to be said. Yeah. Whereas this is just, glad you're home, Brad. We love you. Yeah. Yeah. They idolize him. LOD sign. Did you see that in the crowd? No. no. LOD, ladies of drag. So I was going to ask you, Adam, now, as, as the resident drag race expert... Hawk and Animal, how would they fare with RuPaul, do you think? I think they'd make it to like week four or five. They'd do well in lip syncing challenges, anything that's quite physically based. But when it comes down to stuff that challenges like you have to actually start speaking, doing the verbiage, like if it's a reading challenge, which is where you basically roast other people, I don't see Hawk faring very well there. You put an animal though with the anger and the shouting, like he'll never he'll never stop speaking. That's gotta account for something, mm, right? It's too aggressive for drag, I think. Now the makeup, like absolutely fabulous. And Man, it's your pretty makeup leaves the doom. <laughs> every week they will get praised for their makeup, but I don't know if they change it up enough to stay and make it through to the final, you know? Mm. Interesting. Michelle, like Carson will probably be quite forgiving of it, but Michelle's definitely going to call them out for doing the same face paint every week. So. And the, the spikes on the uh, the shoulder pads, does that count as good stuffing or not? Like Again, that's totally the same thing, where it's like week one, they'll be like, oh, hell of a strong look, nice spikes. And then by week two, they're like, okay, let's... Let's see something else now. See what else you got. And then by week three, it's like, all right, lip sync for your life, lads. They could like, move the shoulder pads like down toward the chest though to have like a Madonna spiked bra. Could do. Could do. Yeah. I was wondering if you thought that either Hawk or Animal would be the type of person who was like a really loathsome contestant, but would be brought back for the All Stars because they kind of they they get, they move the numbers, they dial up the intensity a little bit. Do they ever do that? Yeah, Hawk, Hawk's the kind of person that'll get brought back on All Stars for the first two weeks just to, just to piss people off, like just like because we know you don't fit in here. Stir the pot line. Mm. Yeah, they'll just be there just to get the things rolled up. So we start off with all ten men in the ring, but once everyone starts to slowly, you know, move away and the, the numbers kind of dwindle, we're left with Bret Hart and Steve Austin and it's fucking deafening. Mm-hmm. The two of them, they just throw punches. Austin's selling like a madman. It's so great. Austin is getting booed like a crook. Yeah, it's amazing. And yeah, I mean, Brett has to miss a step here, even though he's been injured for a while. He's, you know, firing on all cylinders. They do some really, really great stuff with Austin and Brett doing the, the million dollar dream spot yeah. again. That was really, really cool. A very scary spin kick from Ken Shamrock when he's facing off with the anvil. Mm. He does a full force, massive spinning kick and anvil just ducks in the nick of time. It's so frightening. That would have like absolutely concussed him if it had connected, for sure. Pillman's got interesting offense in the match. Biting and spitting on everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Work with what you got, mate. Like. Uh, but the, the other moment with Pillman I like is when, he, when he's got Shamrock on the ground and he just grabs his hand and starts tapping it on that. <laughs> yeah. he goes, oh, he's tapping, ref. He's tapping. <laughs> One day that'll work. Yeah. The love for own heart. It's a crowd yeah. who knows they never get a chance to show this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just this like I don't know this like light smiley joy that fills. It's so fucking lovely. It's golden. High fly maneuvers from Hawk. We get the top rope splash from the big man. Yeah. Unbelievable. Lots and lots of tags. Everyone's like getting in and out of this one. This is how you should do a 10-man tag because no one's in for long enough for you to get sick of anyone. Yeah. There's no one who gets worked on for ages and ages and ages. There's like lots of like, you don't need hot tags because people want to see Bulldog in the match. They want to see Pillman. They want to see Owen. So just yeah. 
tagging on its own right is a hot tag yeah. so the first 10 minutes of this is just like let's get to know everyone very yeah. well and the crowd love it how weird is it seeing like after having seen all these weeks of the Heart Foundation being fucking assholes and so horrible you get the sight of all four of them ganging up on a helpless Steve Austin and the crowd are like yeah woo yeah. go on baby kill him way I think if you didn't have this event a lot of people could probably go, ah, I don't buy that they like him in Canada. Yeah. You know, you could just kind of go, nah, they're being heels. Heels get booed everywhere. And this this show alone, you know, we mentioned they had the bit in South Africa and Kuwait and all that where Brett's like, I'm here with my fans. And we will have one night only as well, I guess, coming mm. up from England. But this show on its own is like, yep, the Canada-America storyline is one of the best storylines ever just because of this reaction here. Mm -hmm. If only the American fans were as fucking good the other way around when we were back in America. (laughs) Power Slam by Davey Boy Smith to Hawk, which makes Vince go, yes! (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Finally, those street fighters will be pummeled to dust (laughs) any moment now. We get the fiery babyface Owen Hart run, which is fucking amazing. So cool seeing Owen being this babyface over the top. Yeah. like So popular and over with this crowd. They bring up the Blue Blazer. Do they? They're like, yeah, Owen was, a, was a, a high-flying superhero. He was the Blue Blazer when he first came in. We're seeing a lot of this offense here. Mm. To think that Owen is so good as a crook, like, you know, as a, as a dirty old heel. But his moveset is so obviously for a baby yeah. face. Yeah, you're right. And yet, we never really kind of saw Owen be a good guy from other than this. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, you're right. Pretty really interesting, it. yeah. Owen eats the Doomsday device, which causes all ten men to come in the ring. And then we get a bit of a malfunction at the junction. They're meant to do a spot later on for the finish, where Bruce throws a drink at Austin, and Austin's meant to think that it is Stu Hart. Then Austin goes to grab Stu. Then the Hart family start attacking Austin as yeah, a result. straightforward. Pretty straightforward. What happens is Austin goes to the outside and as he's looking at him, Bruce just fucks the drink right at him. Mm-hmm. And then Austin goes off to get a chair to continue wrestling Owen, who he's with. Yeah. So Bruce blew it. Yes. Yeah. Big time. Yes. Not the only time he'll do that tonight, folks. Well, I was going to say, like, I'd heard a lot about Bruce having allegedly ruined the finish of this match. You told me that Brett said that in his book. Right? Brett in his like, book was, Brett is sour on this match in the book because of the end of the match. And so I had it in my, in my head that like, Jesus Christ, this dude's going to fucking pull his pants down and <laughs> do a shit all over yeah. this match. And then that happens and I was like, oh, oh, okay, that's not that bad. Yeah. And I figured, oh, Brett's just being a baby again. Like, that's not that big a deal. I mean, it's it, it, there's more to it later, I guess. Exactly. So I guess we can yeah. kind of figure, figure on that more in a bit. Brett used the figure four on Austin's leg on the outside. He absolutely beats the shit out of Austin's leg. Owen has been laid out by Austin, has to be taken to the back, but Austin is now also as well laid out and taken to the back. And we are in the ring now with Davey Boy Smith, who I think I can confirm is indeed a good bit smaller. Yeah, he definitely has lost a little bit of weight. Tickly in there with Hawk and Animal mm. and Shamrock mm. as well he's in the ring with. They're putting him with Shamrock, he's just fucking all fucking muscle and a, yeah, and a, and a yard long. I swear he's ballooned up even more since he joined WWF. Ken Shamrock looks like worryingly big yeah. at the minute. Well, he's not wrestling, he's just fucking commentating and challenging Mike Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> Austin's gone, so Shamrock really seems out of sorts in this match. Well, he's not... He's probably the only guy here who's not been in a big multi-man before. Or in a mm. big match, I guess, yeah. at all. Did you know what he was doing in the ring when he was in there with Brett? Did you figure that out? No, I, 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 it, it was around this time where this, like, it 
turn the sort of chaos. Mm-hmm. It was so difficult to take notes on this match. I mean, this is a fabulous match, don't get me no, wrong. No, absolutely. But this bit here with Ken is weird, where he has Brett pretty much completely dead to rights. Brett's like lying on the ground. He has him taken down. He has the leg. It's the bad leg. Mm-hmm. Brett is like, no, no, don't go after my leg. The crowd aren't even like kind of going, oh, no. The crowd just like, why aren't you attacking him, you fucking mm-hmm. idiot? And then he leaves him. And then he just gets given the sharpshooter. Like, what? He lets Brett get back up and immediately Ken gets put in the sharpshooter for being a fucking idiot. And then Ken does the low blow? Yeah. Who told him to do this? Made him look so stupid and cowardly at the same time. But like, he's, he's meant to be... Pro- like He's the guy who on Raw is like, he went out to be a British Bulldog because British Bulldog brandished a chair over a fallen gold dust yeah. to Marlena. Mm. He's like proper like, I don't like bullies. I don't like yeah. people being mean. He's meant to be... Proper white hat cowboy. Yeah. And here he is low-blown Bret Hart. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. It's it it weird. Get an incredibly trepidatious superplex as Austin returns. He runs wild on Bret. Crowd still booing Austin even with the big fiery comeback. Austin attempts the sharpshooter. Again, this is I'm saying these things are happening. There's a million other things happening yeah. at the same time. We're all this. It's pure chaos and pandemonium. Owen returns. He saves Bret. We then get another attempt at the Austin, Bruce, and Stu business. Go back to it again. Except this time, you literally see Bruce is like, uh, and he, there's nothing in his cup empty now. Empty cup. So he just throws an empty cup at Austin, who then looks right at him and then is like, I'm going to beat up your dad now. <laughs> <laughs> you done it now. I told you. <laughs> Even so... I still didn't think that seemed like that big a mess up. If that was all that was wrong, is that he messed up the throw in the drink bit, then whatever, get over it. It made Austin look like a total asshole for going after 82-year-old But Stu. he's an asshole anyway. That's Stretch not this, deal. you sorry son of he a bitch. He attacked Shawn Michaels whilst he was yeah. helping a boy with Down syndrome. That's like, true. It's not a big leap. Like, yeah. So if that had been it, I'd still think, oh, Bruce Hart, there's nothing wrong with what he did. But then Bruce pops over the ramp. Ah. And Bruce is pretty much like throwing the big right hands, big fucking hip toss. He lays out Shamrock and the Legion of Doom. Was he not supposed to be doing that then? No, he was meant to like get in a few licks on Austin and all that. And apparently, Brett, and of course, now take this into consideration. Brett has got really fucked up history with pretty much all of his siblings. The relationship with him and Bruce is one of the strangest at all because I don't think there's anyone who he really truly wanted to help, looked up to, and also loved in a way, like other than Owen, I think, that he did Bruce. I think Bruce was probably the brother he was closest to afterwards. But also he's a brother who he seems to really like have, like, you know, Stu sells Stampede Wrestling says he's getting out of the wrestling business forever and you know gives the rights to Vince and then Bruce Hart starts up Stampede Wrestling two months later type Mm. of thing you know Bruce seems to have done the much to actually directly attack Brett's career Mm. but Brett wanted Bruce to be in the Hart Foundation and Vince was like yeah I like it because they were basically saying yeah this is the NWO now we're going to do the whole thing you you never know who's going to join the more the merrier and Bruce was going to join there's a lot of brothers and sisters there's a lot there's 12 in total you know and you know Diana coming out there accompanying Davey Boy to the ring I'm pretty sure she wanted to do that more often Mm. you know Ellie Hart would have been very happy to be on on screen keep an eye on their husbands (laughs) yeah Yeah. honestly legit how much do you think that really could be it because it's always Brett going on saying, "Oh, they just want they want in, they want the the stardom and all that." I uh, think they want to make you know, sure you're not cheating on us all and doing drugs and like. Well, like if you were fucking married to you know Jim Neidhart or British Bulldog, you fucking imagine how difficult it's. You want to keep an eye on them, yeah. Particularly like unlike say Owen's wife Martha, who was not from the wrestling business, didn't really want anything to do with it, and that was kind of you do that, that's your thing. I don't want to know about it. 
But Ellie and Diana both know how fucked up wrestling is. Yeah. And they, you know, they are, their house, that hard house was the stopping off point, the point of, of contact for all the wrestlers who are coming in out of Stampede Wrestling. I'm sure she saw a lot of fucked up guys who were fucked up along the way. Mm. So I always wondered how much of them wanting to be involved might have been, yeah, just that. They want to keep an eye on the family mm. and their husbands. But to Brad's perceived as they're meddling, they're wanting yeah. to get in on it. Don't get me wrong, they're plenty horrible in their own right. But Brett said that Bruce here... Going into business for himself made it so that he couldn't get a job and that he fucked it up and he, he blew his shot and Vince didn't want to have him. I'll be honest, the way Brett says it in his book and how it comes across here, it didn't seem out of place here. It seemed mm. fine that yeah. Smith popped over as well. It mm-hmm. seemed yeah. fine, like, as long as Smith wasn't doing the fucking goose step like he did in Germany that Jesus one time. Jesus fucking Christ. Not allowed back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was a bit chaotic but it was no more chaotic than the rest of the match I don't think Bruce like fucked himself over here I think no. it's I think it might be Vince saying yeah we'll bring him in no intentions of bringing him in and be like oh yeah we're not going to bring him in now guess it must have been this one thing mm. ah, I don't know finishing the match I love though because Owen gets the pin yes, yes. he gets the roll up on I Stone Cold it. Brett's brother like you know getting the recognition there as on the outside of the ring, all the other brothers are clambering for recognition. Yeah. Soon as that bell goes, there's Keith, there's Bruce, there's Smith. They're all up there. Quick, quick, quick. All the all the hearts are in the ring as quick as fucking possible. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. love that. Apart from Stu and Helen, who very, very slowly to the ring. <laughs> yeah, Stu very slowly to the ring. And, and Helen's just like, are we going to get out of this business already? You told no. me we're going to... You told me in 1956 you're going to get out of this business. <laughs> That's sad. That poor woman. Yeah, like, I know. She put up with a lot. She spent her entire. She basically spent her entire life waiting for something that was never going to happen. Mm. The heart's getting out of wrestling. Sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Waiting to retire and go to Boca Raton. Like, not going to happen. Mm. Nope. Austin returns with his chair to get his heat back. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about this. Like, you know, what is he like? The, the character. What is the character? hoping to achieve <laughs> one man in a chair versus 20 hearts. I know. Like, I saw that little rat bastard Teddy Hart in there. Yeah. That little Tassin kid motherfucker. <laughs> I'm going to get rid of the next generation of hearts before they can challenge me. <laughs> it was cool seeing all the hearts in the ring. Yeah. And Natalia's mm. there as well as is uh, Tyson. You can see all the, the grandkids and all that. Apparently some random kid was in there as well. I, I remember he in some interview where someone was just like, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm some kid. Like, all right. Yeah. Here's a miniature Canadian flag. Like, go wild. It's a lovely sight. Mm. It is kind of like the last pure, happy, family-friendly moment in a company that is lurching very quickly towards the sleaze. And it's probably like one of the, the last happy moments for the heart as a family. Hearts as a family. Publicly, for sure. Yeah. 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 WrestleMania 26. No. Laying out Vince McMahon no. for the whole world yeah. to see. Oh. All those chair shots. But no, it's, it's... like This is like grace for them. This is the... Yeah. This is this is peak as a family. We're never... They're never going to be as happy as they are here. I want to see this turned into a tapestry, like, you know, or, or a nice watercolour or something, just the image of all of them. Because <laughs> mm. it's like, yeah, you, we, we talked about you. You mentioned earlier, like, oh, think about a year, what Vince is going to be like and all mm. that. But think about a year, what this company is going to be like. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still... They're trying a lot of this new stuff, the reality stuff, a lot more edgy stuff. We saw a lot more blood here tonight, a lot of backstage yeah. brawling, you know. We're seeing attitudes strong, but, you know, Vince Russo is not sitting back... And going, yeah, I've got all these great ideas about family values. Yeah. There was a sign in the crowd that said family values. 
a sign in a wrestling crowd in the 90s. Family values. <laughs> Hog forever. <laughs> what happens? Is there a specific moment where this becomes passe, as they say? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I feel like we're so, sometimes it feels like we're so, yeah, we're here already. We're, yeah. I'm getting, you know, yeah. we got the fucking nation. We got gang wars. We got Austin cussing everyone out. But then you see this wholesome fucking hallmark family ends. Like, mm. my God, roll credits here. Like, yeah, legit. I think what you have to bear in mind is, yes, that's a wholesome, lovely family ending for all of us that love the hearts and looking back in hindsight. For a 97 wrestling crowd, like where the hearts are the heels, this is probably like the bad ending where like, oh, they're all celebrating together. Oh, look how many there are. Uh, oh, they make me sick. Like, yuck. I mean, yeah, if this happens like in, in this exact scene in the ring, if this happens in America, they'd be like throwing drinks at Literally, them and their yeah, kids yeah. and toilet paper Honestly. and burning things and whatnot. It would be horrible. Canadian Stampede, a hell of a show, but let me tell you something. Um, I haven't watched that match, I think, since our last go-around yeah. with it. Yeah. And that was a fucking delight. Yes, yeah, very much so. What a main event. Oh my god! And for a four-match, one-hour, 48 show, that's a fucking smooth slice of 97 action. You saw stuff that you don't normally get to see. You got Sasuke and Taka with a match unlike anything you were seeing on screen at the time. A fabulous Triple H in Mankind brawl. I mean, there's issues with it. I think the storyline surrounding that Undertaker match is, you know, any match where someone's been called a murderer all match long, mm. that's interesting. And this main event, which is fucking beautiful. A fine show indeed. I love Canadian Stampede. What do y'all think? I thought it was a grand show. I thought it was really good. It was a very NXT takeover feeling show. Yes. I thought, like two hours, five matches, whatever it is. But I do feel like it's a victim of its hype because this has been hyped up for me for so long. People saying this is the greatest non-Big Four pay-per-view ever, ever, ever. And I loved it. Like, every match was great. There was some really good stuff. Main event was incredible. But it, like, I feel like the expectation was too high. Right. Not, like, the, the main event was the only blow-away amazing match. I feel like all the other matches were good. Nothing was incredible, though, outside of that main event. Billy, what did you think of Canadian Stampede? It's it's good in the uh, there were two matches here that I really enjoyed. There were two match. There was one match I was okay on. There was one match I didn't like. Mm. That's a fifty percent success rate. It's better than a lot of the ninety seven ones for you, Easton. Yeah, it's, it's probably been the one I have enjoyed the most mm. that we've done so far in season four. Because there was only one match I did not like, yeah. which is the Taker match. Yeah, but that's course. to be expected from me at this point. Can I challenge folks to come up with a match of the night that isn't the main event that I'm assuming we all definitely think is our match of the night? Well, I'm assuming if we don't pick the main event, we're all just going to go for the light heavyweight match, yeah. right? Yeah, okay, <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. Yeah. We're <laughs> a short match. But let's just go with some MVPs then. Adam, how are we getting on then? Another thing, I think like as, as amazing as everyone was in the main event, no one particularly stood out to me, except maybe special mention to Owen, because I, I really liked being able to see him be so fiery yeah. and to get the moment in the spotlight. He wrestled differently, unlike a lot of the yeah. other guys. He wrestled pretty much the same. But for my overall MVP, and I'm, this is this is also taking into account what's been going on on Raw as well, but Paul Bearer, for sure. He's been giving some of the greatest spoken word stuff I've ever seen in wrestling. And yeah, that match with Undertaker and Vader was a bit of a clunker, but he genuinely made the match entertaining to me because it would be like, oh, these two are fucking around. And then every now and then, murderer! And he's got his shoe off and he's hitting people with it. Like, 
he is just magic every time he's on screen. Yeah, I think one of the most exciting things that happened for me with 1997 in this season is realizing that we have missed the bulk of this bearer. Like when we started in season one, we we're like, oh, this is great. This He's the best thing on the show. By King of the Ring, he's not really talking it's as much. It's the tail end of it. But like... man, it's a nice long road to fucking bad blood, but I'm all for it. I would echo you with the MVP from Paul yeah. Bearer for the same reasons. Billy, your MVP. If we had not done the Owen episode before, mm. I would have given it to Owen. But we, 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 we don't want to gush over Owen for the same reasons in yeah, two yeah. different episodes. So then I was thinking maybe Pillman. Because <laughs> he was really fun, yeah. It was really fun tonight. But I think overall, in terms of... Because the way I do an MVP is who surprised me the most. And their appearance alone surprised me. So I would give a joint to Taka and Sasuke. Excellent. Because I, re I didn't know they were going to be there. And I loved their match. That is how you do an exhibition match. Like, yes. Even if you have no intent of using those guys ever again, all that's made me do is kind of go, I want to watch more Sasuke. I want to watch more of Taka in Japan. Yeah. Like, that made me want to check out other stuff. Yes. It does make me think how much more effective it might be with WWE at the moment with, you know, they want to showcase indies by doing things like that Evolve show that they did, mm. but they're really doing it just by having lots of guys in NXT. And wouldn't it be better if on NXT you said, this guy's representing Evolve, yeah. or this guy's mm. representing ICW or OTT or whoever it is, and you actually then want to check out that other organization. That's a proper way to showcase someone. And that puts WWE squarely in the big league position because it's still saying like, well, here we are, we're the big platform and the little guys want to come to us to get to show yeah, off yeah. on our it, show. Like, that works with ECW and USWA. Exactly. It makes them seem like a big deal that everyone's coming to them and their platform. It really shocked me to hear them talking about USWA and ECW, but the way that they set it up and the way that they've done it is like, oh, look, folks, all the other companies want to come here and work with us because we're the big one, like. It makes them look even better and more legit. Yeah, it's win-win-win. So, I would say, yeah, uh, this is definitely not just the match. I think the match is always always as pegged as like one of the absolute classics. Go out of your way to see it. Mm. But honestly, when you look at that network, and it's so hard when you like want to just pick a random show to watch and have a, a good time with some good wrestling. You know, no one wants to pop on a fucking four and a half hour you know, modern show or something mm. like that. Even though there might be great wrestling on it. For one hour and 48 minutes, whatever it is, I would honestly give this the strongest recommendation. Yeah. If you want to watch a really good pay-per-view, even if it's not as like blemish-free as some people make out, it's one of the best I think they've it's done. It's an easy watch. Like, yeah. It's very, very watchable. One of the best of the in-your-haces of all time. Oh, undoubtedly. Maybe the best. Like. Yeah. Well, before we get to our next one, which is going to be Grand Zero, thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Aditera Podcast. And if you're listening on SoundCloud, iTunes, or on Stitcher, make sure you leave us an old rating or a review. Let us know what you think of the show and the way to always help tell a friend who might be interested about checking out the Editor podcast and our many seasons which are now on SoundCloud put into handy little folders you can listen to the whole season with lovely new artwork as well and all of our bonus episodes are put in a special cage so they won't annoy you <laughs> and don't forget as well to give us a follow on Twitter at a podcast or as always give us a like on facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era podcast for updates and, of course, your caption contests. You can find all of our video content available on Twitter, or better yet, if you go to our Facebook page, it's all nicely, neatly organised for you. Our entire archive of little micro videos and clips from classic episodes, new episodes, and Patreon-exclusive content. And if you want to get access to the Patreon, you're going to get access to not just some video episodes from our Gamesmanship series, 
not just a whole bevy of book report special edition episodes. If you like to look at that Journey into Darkness and that Rock Says book report on the main timeline, you ain't seen nothing till you've seen Bob Holly, the Hardy Boys, Ryback, and Making the Game, amongst others. As well as that, you can get access to over 50 episodes of the SmackDown Crawl. Every single month, you get two new pieces of fresh content into your ears, as well as supporting all of us here at the Added Share Podcast. Bump up to a $10 backing, you get access to a whole load of Q&A episodes from myself, Adam and Billy, where we answer all of your questions. There's a whole bevy of rewards to suit a variety of needs. And as well, you can now sponsor the caption contest. All of this and much more available at patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. And if you're a fan of Canada's free and native lands, why not head on over to my free and native lands of botchamania.com stuff things Canada. Oh, stuff and things we lay on <laughs> hearts for me. Until next time, where it's going to be time for some Ground Zero. It's goodbye from me, Kevin. Me, Adam Bulbalo. And me, Billy. And we'll catch you next time on the Attitude Era podcast. I don't think we did that last time. I realised that was, I think there was something wrong with that last episode. So we're going to do another one. Just in case. I swear we did. Yeah. Okay. I just as soon as we did it there, I'm like, we didn't do it last I, time. I remember you I doing that, and then did. you said, "Is that how we normally end it?" And we had to say, "Yeah, that's fine. We we'll do it anyway." Just okay. Safe, yeah. But I'm positive it's fine. Until next time, where we're going to be Canadying it up. It's a goodbye from me, Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Billy. And we'll see you next time on the Attitude Era podcast. Nice. Double whammy. Into darkness. Adam, you gonna jit me up? <laughs> Stop saying you got jit. The jit. Oh, Adam, you got jit all over my face. No. Of course. It- <laughs> I was going to make a really nice joke about Jif and Sif, the uh, the British bleach brand, but I think you've spoiled that now. With your, your jizz joke. I'd say, I'd, Adam, you don't get jit in your eye then. No, exactly. <laughs>